0: And we are recording. Is it is it Keitel or Keitel or Keitel?
1: Keitel. I think there's a famous American actor, Harvey Keitel. I don't so know. <laughs> yeah. I, don't
0: know. I have no Might idea. Might be a
1: generation before you. Um, oh, yeah. fine, I know. And there were supposedly some Nazi generals.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? I've listened, like, to, and for everybody listening, this is uh, Frederick Keitel. He came on last Tuesday, and for all future listeners, today is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022 at 3.22 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 884. We didn't get into uh, the topic that we were supposed to get in last time at all, and I have one note about Nazis, and then I'll hand it over to you so you don't get sidetracked. <laughs> but I've, uh, one of my favorite books is Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson. I've listened to it, like, 10 times over the last five years, and I'm... Doing my annual listen through and um yeah i started i think last tuesday and uh yeah it's somewhere in there yeah in the first couple chapters there's a keitel there's a bad bad man named keitel and i was like hey that's frederick's last name and i was like (laughs) and i was like oh wait fred he's also in berlin i was like oh (laughs) uh... yeah
1: i'm i mean I, i was told there's no connection to the American actor, nor the general in Germany. But who knows? Maybe it's <laughs> one of those family secrets that got buried.
0: Like, like likely story. It's uh it's like having a grandpa from Argentina who looks like me, <laughs> fucking white skin and blue eyes, and it's like you don't look Argentine. Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, so we don't but, get sidetracked, man. Yes, they, take it away, or we can yeah. go down a rabbit hole of Nazis. I don't give a shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe for another time. Even though yeah. as a German, I. I had to go through it during my entire school life. Yeah. So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating. Also the stuff that was never really uncovered. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think that might be a rabbit hole for another day. All right. I'm down. All right. So, uh, initially I contacted you. Um, we had a few tries and finally made it last time. Um, Because I had uh, the thought that maybe your podcast, uh, your audience, and some of the guests you had, um, especially Robert Malone, for example, would be the audience that could appreciate the story and maybe there's intrigue in looking deeper into it. So basically, um, there are many ways to start. This is quite complicated. Maybe the uh, first step would be to ask you, what you know about blockchain and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular, and Uh, then towards Satoshi Nakamoto later on.
0: I know very little. I know the the layman's, um, it's supposed to be the equivalent of gold in that there is a finite, I mean, granted they're always finding new gold, but for the most part, I mean, an ounce of gold today costs like $1,900. You take the cost of an ounce of gold in 1922, and whatever that cost was, right now you can you can live on an ounce of you. Right now, an ounce of gold can pay for, like me, a single male in and, and not necessarily a an urban area like New York. An ounce of gold can pay for like a one room apartment. It can pay for utilities and mm, most of your food. Eighteen hundred dollars. I live on like twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars a month. In nineteen twenty two an ounce of gold, whatever that dollar amount was it's enough for like a single person to live in like a one bedroom apartment and the idea that two thousand years of gold two thousand years ago an ounce of gold could about do the same thing. My understanding of that is so that's constant fiat currency is uh the government and central bank's ability to inflate that and and, and rob people and Really, it's, it's a control mechanism of it's like the ATP in a cell. You're controlling the flow of energy and the control of resources. So you don't even have to tax people. You just print 10 times more money, throw it all to big corporations or defense contractors, and you can kind of manipulate the movement of a country or the world. And then fiat has kind of fucked us. Thomas Jefferson said he feared central banks more than a standing army. And, you know, Andrew Jackson's last words were, I killed the bank And obviously, from 1913 forward, we've had a dramatic, like 90 plus percent reduction in the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar. But it's the it's the world's reserve currency, and after World War II, there's the Bretton Woods conference, and then which tied all the other world currencies to the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar to gold. Nixon closed the gold window, and we've been inflating it, inflating it, inflating it, and it's kind of it seems like now more than ever people are hip to the idea that we're getting fucked and Bitcoin, to my understanding, I've had people try to explain it to me and I'll I'm humble enough to admit that I really just don't understand the, the mathematics or the uh uh the computing behind it. But I know in theory it's just another it's a not just it's another gold and that there's a finite amount. You can keep inflating the US dollar bitcoin will maintain its uh its its rareness and uh you can't have the hidden tax through inflation that's my understanding of it in terms of what blo- i know blockchain is in the same way like gold is it's you can't really fake it or well, not that we know of i'm sure the nsa will crack it we can't really fake it uh it's like a very like a public Uh, almost like fingerprint like everyone sees it everyone knows ownership again how it actually works I don't understand at all but I know in theory it's uh, it's a second attempt at gold Um, it's drawback being it could be wiped out by any MP that's about it
1: yeah well well, it's not 100% clear that it's supposed to be uh, for gold Um, like gold 2.0 or something like that but in in general there are some things bitcoin can do that a lot of the other blockchains and in the crypto space can't do and also um obviously as you know it's the biggest one and there's the most um volume traded i think probably um over like total size and i would say the mainstream finally has gotten to know bitcoin a little bit even mom and dad have heard of what yeah. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is. Yeah. So um, I have, as I said last episode, a background in gaming and then became a professional poker player and an entrepreneur in the gaming space. So it's not necessarily anything that correlates with Bitcoin, but I know a lot of people from back in the day that moved over to uh, trading and uh, holding cryptocurrencies and some of them got filthy rich and some of them got wrecked. Um, but in general, I would say, overall, the space is mostly not about the technology of blockchain, um, but more so a lot of people trying to get rich by identifying the right cryptocurrencies to hold, and then envision a future where these might be worth a lot more because people are interested in using them. Mm-hmm. But most of them don't really have utility. And even Bitcoin, um, as safe so far as it's been, and as good of an invention, it it has not found mass adoption. And in part, it's because transactions are still too expensive and because um, there there are other issues with Bitcoin um, where you cannot make as many transactions as you would like to yeah. for a larger audience. In general, I think it's seven transactions per second as a maximum for what we are calling Bitcoin. Now, the story starts where the question comes in, who invented it? Why invented it? The people or the one person that thing what was maybe the vision behind it and then in towards the future what should it have been if the person didn't did not or would not have been gone or disappeared and basically uh there it's almost like a religion there are people thinking it should be this like anarchists and hyper capitalists and Others in between have their own idea of what it should be. And that's the beauty and the curse of Satoshi Nakamoto disappearing. That people kind of fill the void with their own ideas of what it could have been. Question. Yes.
0: Do we know what Satoshi Nakamoto's middle name is?
1: Uh, (laughs) I think I do, but that's part of the story. We don't know anything really about the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto back then, his real identity. Well, Everything like my... that he mentioned was probably disguise. you know, Japanese guys, 40s, mid-40s. Yeah. Might have been true, but probably not that person and not that birth date and so on.
0: But like my name's Thomas Patrick Kerrigan, and like the way you'd write that on like a roll call or like a like a tax form is always last name, comma, right? First name, middle name. Mm-hmm. It depends what his middle name is, but if you did Nakamoto Soshi, like what if it's NSA? What if that's just a troll? Because that yeah. would be something that NSA would do, right? The biggest, because that could, not to go on, a, not to already divert it, but it could be the best honeypot ever. To see if anyone, uh, if any other country had, because right, like nuclear fission and fusion, we have the back in the seventies, we had the the hotel system of satellites, which which could detect nuclear flash, so we could know if other uh, nations had developed nuclear capabilities. What if you wanted to find out if another nation or a private entity had quantum computing capabilities or just beefed up conventional computing capabilities? You would make NSA a a golden honeypot. You'd make, sorry, the NSA would make, would make Bitcoin a golden honeypot that if you crack it, you're a fucking trillionaire. And then that's how you would find it. And then, I don't know, assumedly you'd go fucking, you know, deliver some freedom with a JDAM or something and set them back. Sorry, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll diverge the, I'll diverge the spiraling off of this podcast. Back um, Back to you, take it away. Don't, don't let me take the reins of this because I will fucking, we will. In an hour, we'll be back on General Kaitel and screaming about the Nazis. So, sorry.
1: Well, can... truth be told, um, it's not clear if an agency is involved or not to me. Uh, that is still a looming question. Back in the day, um, Gavin Andreessen, who was the main or core developer of Bitcoin after Satoshi Nakamoto left, he um, before Satoshi left, he actually had um, a talk with the CIA where he gave, gave a presentation of. What Bitcoin is, and also um, I think i I saw a documentary that crypto A g uh, used to manufacture these machines for governments like Iran and so on for um, help I think it was based in Switzerland or something to uh, have these machines where they can uh, send messages back and forth or something like that I think. And then it turned out that the CIA infiltrated that company 30 years ago, and the machines were manufactured in a way that they could (laughs) know what Iran and other countries were doing, basically. This is, from what I know, a true story, and it was, like, uh, big in the media, I think, a couple years ago. And you remember, I think, a few years ago, there were these mobile phones that were um, encrypted? Uh, not Huawei, it was like a specific for illicit traders and, um, like, uh, criminals it, basically.
0: It sounds vaguely familiar, like, 20, yeah, and 2016
1: like ish. From what I remember, those phones were also manufactured by, I think, the CIA. It's, that's uh, like that. That's uh, so that's honey the... traps are real and they have happened in the past and not too long past. That's and the NSA, the NSA is known for um, not only, I think, inventing the SHA-256 encryption thing, but also a lot of other technology. I think some of the best people in that field are working for the NSA. Basically.
0: That's the plot of the book, uh, Black, about Black Ops by Christopher Whitcomb, former FBI hostage rescue team. And it's uh, there's a, a fictional company named Qantas, and they create encrypted phones for the average man. And uh, it's like highly, highly classified, like only the head of the NSA and the head of the CIA know about it. Congress is all against it. The big telecommunications companies are all against it for competition. Congress is screaming about the terrorists are going to have ability to cooperate and coordinate without us cracking. And uh, the NSA, like there's like a facade, like because the only tippy top guy knows about it. The rest of the NSA is like, we can't have this. And, you know, the Justice Department comes out and it's like, this is free trade. The reality is, is it's a it's an NSA op, and so the terrorists mm. use it, thinking they're safe, and now we know where they are better than ever.
1: It's yeah, I think something along those lines actually already happened in the past. Well, I think that's happening right now. A hundred percent. So uh, that that's my big issue with the tech. It's um, is there maybe possibly a backdoor? Is there some cooperation uh, like working together, like Facebook and Google are with uh, agencies? You know that to that is all still unclear. And if I'm right about the person, then that person actually has worked for agencies in the past and trained some of them. Yeah. So it it, it I mean it's it's not far fetched to think that somebody with the abilities required to invent that thing must have a background somewhere in, in that area, right? 100%. So that, that is also one of the reasons why I came to my conclusions. Basically, my best friend um, uh, during the start of the pandemic was getting heavily into uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies uh, as investments and thought like uh, it would explode during the pandemic and after while it was already going up. Um, I th- I'm not sure. I think that must have been mid 2020 or late 2020. Or, in the yeah somewhere along those lines, and he was getting very involved and told me I should get involved uh understand that stuff better for the future um and I have heard of Bitcoin already, I think somewhere in twenty twelve or so um when poker players and former gamers were investing in it, so I was familiar with it early on, but I was not um too enthusiastic uh about it because the interface looked um like the early internet days or like what you would say is like an MS-DOS equivalent or something like that. And then you had the danger of losing your money if you made one typo in the address. And um, I thought it was very interesting and unique to give the power back to the people in some way without a third party in between. But I thought it was still too expensive, still too slow, and the interface was very early days. So I knew about it, but I did not look, deeper into it and then yeah. Ethereum and all that other jazz came around and it was interesting to me but I was not too involved so back in 2020 I got went into the rabbit hole and looked deeper into it and I thought like maybe kind of maybe not first principle but in general it's uh, who invented it and why did they invent it and what happened and basically as we know Satoshi Nakamoto invented it, it might be one person or a team uh, I, I go deeper into that later on but at the same time, um, that technology basically, um, yeah, it, it could be from the agencies or it could be from somebody who wants to change the world and how the financial system works. And from my perspective, as somebody who's also an entrepreneur and a gamer, when I look at that kind of design, it would only make sense to have digital money if it's dirty cheap basically instant and very safe, right? Yeah. That's how we would envision money in the future if it would be digital. And I always thought it would be digital eventually because Star Wars already had that idea and you know, probably some sci-fi authors hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And it, it doesn't make sense to have it physical without having some of the data stored uh, in the cloud or whatever will be the future. Yeah. So to, that part resonated to me, but not how, it, how the implementation worked. And then I went deeper and found that there are many things about Bitcoin that I don't necessarily agree with. The premise is basically that um, you only have a few transactions per second to have the system uh, safer and easier to be stored on all our local systems, basically. So everybody can look into the blockchain and verify for themselves that it's all good, basically. But in my mind, it limited... uh, extremely what the system could be doing because if you want to go to mastercard or visa levels on transactions you cannot stop at seven transactions per second so uh, for me bitcoin therefore was a bit flawed if it would become a global currency because you cannot really transact that much and it's not instant and it's not super cheap so uh, that was also why i was not interested in the years prior back to 2020 when i went into the rabbit hole and i tried to figure out why satoshi did what he did Um, I wanted to understand who he could have been. So kind of like a detective kind of case where you try to figure out who the inventor is based on clues on the internet. So I used Wayback Machines and I looked through Reddit stuff and I basically spent (laughs) weeks and nights, uh, all-nighters, trying to figure this out because I can get very obsessive when I get into things, whether it was gaming, poker or you might understand that because of your podcast. You know, you seem I, also to have that personality. I know, that's all I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't well, know. I <laughs> mean, you don't get into deep hole uh, conspiracies if you're not interested in you spending gotta, a lot of time on atomic topic.
0: You, you gotta just swan dive into the black hole. It's yes. Um, another side note: it could be when you're saying earlier, it's either you know someone that wanted to change the world, or it's uh, an intelligence agency. <sighs> pot or nation-state control mechanism.
1: AI. It,
0: yeah, it, or AI. It yeah. could also be like what we talked about last time, though. It might not be black or white. It could very well start it have, as something that could have been co-opted. It could have been hijacked. It could have been... Oh,
1: you it, getting warm you're uh, getting warmer. You're getting
0: warm? it, But But it, it, like we talked about last time, though, that often seems to be Occam's razor, is that it's somewhere in between, right? Yeah, Oppenheimer like- wanted to end the war. And then he fucking hated it like, you know, so he kind
1: of ended the war, but maybe not no, well, he, the right way.
0: Well, he he did. But then he later went to Truman's office and said, I have blood on my hands. And Truman said, kick that hippie out or never let that hippie into my office again. I have blood on my hands and they fucking kicked him out. They took away a security clearance and they wouldn't even let him in on the H-bomb. And uh, Oppenheimer actually reached out to, I think, Edward Teller after the H-bomb detonated. And he was like a crack fiend. He's like, tell me, tell me how big it was please. And it was like breaking protocol. And Edward Teller told him it was like 10 megatons. And he was like, thank you. But they wouldn't let him in because he had he had gone against the party line. And so they shut him right out of the fucking national security state. They're like, get out of here. But that's something that started as one thing. Leo Szilard defected to the United States from Germany and had Einstein write a letter to FDR. And Leo Szilard was also Ed Teller's chauffeur and their whole thing was uh germany can't get this right we need to get it for world peace and we get it and then uh it started and then leslie groves the general in charge of the manhattan project actually pulled all the scientists and said who thinks we should drop this like 87 percent said no and so he just fucking he just buried the report and a lot of them were later cut out of uh the hydrogen bomb project. because we're like, we can't have these fucking hippies. But here you have these guys who in 1942, 43, 44, 45, red, white, and blue, we're going to develop the bomb. We're going to save our boys in Japan. Five years or what, 1952 is the H-bomb detonation. We started developing it in like 48 or 49. Just five years later, you took these patriot guys from Manhattan Project and you're like, get them the fuck out of here. Like that's five years. That's how quickly they can be co-opted or hijacked. So maybe it is Satoshi. Maybe he's like, "I'm going to change the world." The NSA is like, "Yo, that's cool, but not really."
1: Yeah, and it is also possible that somebody has started it, and then, as you said, Perrupted. the NSA or somebody else got in or he involved. Um, I mean, also it makes a lot of sense because why would such a system with such potential? be completely ignored by the agencies when like their main purpose is to like <laughs> figure this stuff out and make sure it cannot be used by the uh, adversaries. You know? yeah. yeah. So th- there's that for sure. Um, and if you look into who um, was working on Bitcoin's uh, development in the last couple of years and the years prior after Satoshi left, um, Blockstream is a company that um, Adam Beck, um, Comes to mind, and their background and uh, investment portfolio of the VCs that are involved in that also shows that there is a possibility that there has been some co-op going on, because uh, back uh, the digital currency group and Bain Capital are two of the big investors uh, in Blockstream.
0: Isn't that Mitt Romney's company? Yep, that's such a comically
1: evil name, Bain Capital, and some others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some others as well um and digital uh currency group um they have investments in all kinds of cryptocurrencies um news outlets in the crypto space and um other blockchains basically so they they not own the space but they are by far the biggest investor and most involved and have like a lot of power and influence into the scene what gets Posted on the media, like what kind of companies get what funding and so on and so forth. Sure. So they are heavily involved in that, and then they all, Blockstream pays uh, the developers to work on.
0: It. Hey, your, your 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 microphone is getting scratchy. Oh, sorry. No, you're good.
1: Um. Anyway, so also um, Jeffrey Epstein's, um, I think Digital Garage was also a bit involved back in the day. So we can only guess what Epstein had to do with any of this. I, I don't know, but the name came up during the research, which is interesting. Um, So we have that part. There has been, in my opinion, some influence in uh, using the system in a way where third parties can participate and monetize some of it. Um, and it, it goes... Like this basically, you have these companies investing and then uh, Bitcoin Core being developed under their tutelage, basically. Okay. And the transactions are not getting quicker or cheaper, quite the opposite. The system is not getting better over time, in my opinion. And then they introduced um, updates that basically changed the system in a way that was not the initial design. And um, as far as I understand it, the person who might be Satoshi Nakamoto actually uh, got involved again um, because the changes, and the altering of the system has implications that those people might or might not have foreseen, but that um, made the invention different, basically. So for the rest of the discussion, when I say Bitcoin, I mean something else than what you know. What, yeah. what you know is the ticker BTC, basically, right? Oh, yeah. um, what I will talk about are the sort of forks of Bitcoin um, BCH and BSB. So there's Bitcoin Cash, and Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. Has- Those came in 2017-ish and were forks of the initial, um, what is known as BTC, basically.
0: Has anyone ever come out and claimed to be Satoshi?
1: Yes, a few, but not many credible ones.
0: Is it possible that he effectively locked himself out?
1: uh sort of like if you follow my story, there's um supposedly end lock time system where the funds cannot be accessed until you have certain keys basically and then and only then, after a certain amount of time, it's possible to uh, move the Bitcoins basically, or I have access again. All right. Um, so uh, I don't know. We are both the type who go into long monologues, so I don't know how far we are in already. Yeah. But basically, during my research, I came to a few names. Um, Adam Beck was one of them. He uh, invented Hashcash, I think, and was mentioned in the white paper. Um, and uh, also is the CEO of Blockstream now. So that was one of the people that I thought could have been Satoshi Nakamoto are part of it then obviously there's Hal Finney who people uh, know um, and love he was he had a what is it called uh, the ALS I think where you, uh, he was in the wheelchair in the end the Gehrig's put, disease yeah, yeah. And
0: muscle wasting
1: um, he was working uh, on Bitcoin very early on, and he was the first person who received the transaction from Satoshi Nakamoto showing that the system works. Oh, okay. So he was there, and he, he had a neighbor whose name was Sat- uh, Nakamoto, basically. So <laughs> there's also that. Um, but it led me not to anything doing, looking into Finney, and he always said he is not Satoshi Nakamoto or he was not part of the team. So, we have a few others. Nick Zabo is one of the most prominent. Um, he uh, invented, I think, eGold before Bitcoin. Um, and also, he made some interesting posts that were edited and not backdated, but dated forward, basically. So, there were a few things where people thought, like, oh, he's trying to camouflage that he was involved. I think he also was on the Tim Ferriss podcast a while back, and he mentioned that he invented Bitcoin and then quickly uh, corrected himself. But he also always said he's not Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, And then there were a few others. But to uh, make the story a bit shorter, um, I ended up looking into even the ones that are unlikely. The fake Toshis and the scammers kind of. There's some Indian guy and uh, a few others, but there was one guy in particular that that was interesting. His name is Craig Stephen Wright. Um, and he's an Australian, um, severe Asperger's, I think, um, one of the highest decorated security experts in the world. And by his own accord, and some of this, you can look up, he has, I think, more than 20 degrees at this point. And he's in his mid fifties and he's still studying basically, um, multiple degrees at the same time, um. So he's obsessed with knowledge, um, but also if you look into him, in the uh, on the internet or Google or DuckDuckGo, most of what you find is that he's proven to be a scammer and that he's claiming. Ryan
0: Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 to get 20 20 get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees Promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com
1: to be satoshi nakamoto but he's basically uh you know a fraudster so I was like, okay, that's still interesting because it's a unique combination that the guy claims to have all these degrees and still have this background that I can check online that, you know, he does have, you know, these de- some of these degrees, I think. And also he worked with agencies prior. So th- th- there, there are some interesting things here. And then I came ac- uh, across this uh, Satoshi Affair by O'Hagan. It's um, basically almost reads like a novel. It's a short story, and the guy, O'Hagan, he followed, I think, Assange back in the day and some other guys. Um, So he's very known for being in contact with guys that are, you know, not famous, but very intriguing, basically. Yeah. And he wrote a story about Craig Steven Wright and followed him a few months. And it's during a very specific time. I think it was in 2015... And basically, um, it was right after Wired Magazine and Gizmodo both outed Craig Steven Wright as Satoshi Nakamoto. Basically, in Australia, his house got raided and um, a hacker leaked um, files and emails and so on of him um, looking like Satoshi Nakamoto, like talking to people and kind of exposing himself in these private emails that were not supposed to be leaked um so that was interesting but the story that i wrote kind of made it look like he might have done it himself kind of outed himself in some way through being a hacker to the magazines or something like that so i wasn't sure but if you read into the satoshi affair novel um it's it's interesting because he has spent time with that guy craig stephen wright and um When I read through that and then back-checked online and found more and more interesting sources to put things together, I realized that this guy is uh, extremely intelligent, um, very odd, and very obsessed about Bitcoin, basically. And there is some knowledge he um, has, or at least he portrayed to have, that he's like he speaks about the invention of Bitcoin and the technology in a way that basically nobody else does, in my opinion. So I, I got intrigued and I focused my rabbit hole towards Greg Steven Wright as a fraudster or as somewhat involved as being Satoshi Nakamoto. And then there's a video where he was supposed to, um, I think for Times Magazine, um, I think it was, where he was uh, supposed to sign. Um, the Satoshi Nakamoto coins uh, during videotaping and exposing himself as Satoshi Nakamoto. And the O'Hagen guy was in in the room during that. So he was there at a very lucky time. And basically the proof fell short. And then uh, the official narrative was that he was a fraudster and he tried to claim to be Satoshi, but it turned out that he cannot do it or he couldn't do it. Um, So that's where the story ends for most. But since I was already so deep into that topic, I did more and more research and I figured out, or at least I think I figured out that there are many reasons why he didn't sign that day, but that certain people have seen him doing key signing sessions and having access to the Satoshi coins, basically. And uh, supposedly, it might be more or less, Satoshi Nakamoto probably has over a million Bitcoins. Can, so you, it would be,
0: yeah. can you explain what a Satoshi coin is and what key signing is?
1: Oh, by Satoshi coins, I mean, you know, the, the smaller increments of Bitcoin are called Satoshis. Okay. But basically I meant um, he has, um, the, what is known as Satoshi coins are some of the first um, Bitcoin that were mined. Okay. And they're Satoshi patterns, it's called, where people try to analyze um, through blockchain data who could have mined gotcha. certain blocks? Because if you're the inventor, you probably know how to do it, basically, yeah. right? And he, there's, there were some entities early on that mined better than most, I think. Gotcha. So they, they thought it might be Satoshi's. And then uh, they came to around a million Satoshi coins, basically, that are attributed to Satoshi Nakamoto's mining early on in Bitcoin's history. We don't know for sure, but that's what everybody kind of agrees upon that it should be around a million. Uh, Craig Stephen Wright himself said that he has way more than that million. Um, Obviously, he's not saying how many, um, and it's a claim, so it cannot be verified yet.
0: I mean, if he has way more than that, it should be like somewhat clear though, right? I mean, does he have like a balling mansion? Does he have like 10 cars and a private... Even if he just used a fraction of that, right? Even if he just took a thousand bitcoin if you if you took one one thousandth of your million bitcoins it'd still be fifty million bucks right or thirty
1: million where the fuck it's at now? Uh, these numbers you know you can barely barely imagine how much wealth he might but, be sitting on if it's but, true.
0: but the point is is like you know like you don't have to look at Elon Musk and go, is he spending three hundred billion dollars if someone's worth a hundred billion dollars, it's safe to assume they've probably spent one one thousandth of that on just personal luxury. Mm. You know, no one has any doubts that Jeff Bezos is Jeff Bezos. You look at his yacht, you look at his house, whatever. You look at his security detail. No one has, you know, people that hate Donald Trump say, is that a billionaire? His fans say that he's a billionaire. But I mean, no one has any doubts that the dude doesn't have like nine homes from penthouses in a gold plate, right? So yeah, does Craig gonna have some residue of wealth? Is he
1: supposedly like I've seen some cars and uh, no one's hypothesizing living... that
0: you and I o- own a million Bitcoin, right? <laughs> no mm-hmm. one's going, you know, Tommy doesn't talk about it, but I think he's Satoshi. No, they look at him, and they go, oh, he afforded rent for another month. He's still going
1: right. Well, a million Bitcoin is also like almost 5% of the entire circulating Bitcoins, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, so um... it's a lot.
0: What's Bitcoin at um... right now?
1: What's I don't the, know. Probably like twenty six or so. I don't know. I haven't checked, um, and I don't really own BTC, so that it 20, doesn't matter to me. Twenty three thousand nine
0: hundred thirty six. Twenty four. It's twenty four thousand. I mean, you have a you have a thousand Bitcoin. That's twenty four million. You have a million Bitcoin. That's twenty four billion. Right? Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. No, wait. Now wait. You have a thousand bit. You yeah, know, a thousand would be twenty four million, and then a thousand thousand is a million, so that would be twenty four billion. Yeah, so you'd have, even if you had it and didn't use ninety nine percent of it, it'd still be like you are going to have like a penthouse in Manhattan, maybe a, like a a flat in London, like a, a Bugatti. You are going to have. You are not taking coach, right? You you've got. You're yeah, you've been
1: a G6. I mean, you might not live um, like a billionaire, but you, you should probably travel with a you're lot of You're looking somewhat.
0: You should be able to find some level of comfort, right? Warren Buffett's still in the same house that he's been in since yeah. 1950, whatever. Sure, but, I mean, the guy's never in, like, a ratty-looking suit, <laughs> Yeah. Right. He's never he's never shown up like, oh, sorry, my flight was canceled. Like, he didn't have to stay in a Motel 6 last night. There are some things that are very clear, like you're doing all right.
1: Yeah, uh, basically, uh Warren Buffett is a good example of somebody not overdoing it and basically living more modest, I would say. Uh, I would think Satoshi tried to not make it obvious who he is. Basically, there were not many or any information you could find online of who the the identity is. And so uh, I would say he he would not be a baller, basically, because that would defy the purpose of trying to be pseudonymous or anonymous. But in Craig Steven Wright's case, he was outed against this world from what I know. And then also supposedly he claimed taxes on Bitcoin income in 2009.
0: Or conversely, you're rich as fuck and you're able to hide the fact that you're Satoshi. Let's say Elon Musk is Satoshi. He can hide it very well because he go, Oh, well, well he owns Tesla and SpaceX. Bezos owns Amazon. You know, you're not really questioning it. So they could, they could be Satoshi and you, you wouldn't suspect it because you go oh no they're worth all this money but because of xy and z
1: yeah i mean if satoshi would have wanted to be unknown um it would have been maybe possible and if if that person uh you know is filthy rich then he would not have shown it in my opinion but yeah i mean we cannot really use that to identify um, the person. Um, What I did is I tried to figure out who has the knowledge, who has the background. And um, if you're the inventor of something, you kind of invested a lot of energy and um, love and passion into that project. So um, you must know things that people that outsiders wouldn't know no and satoshi did not explain everything he actually rather explained very few things as far as i understand so um yeah there, there's a lot of room for interpretation basically
0: yeah and hey, uh, uh for, hey frederick monologue for a minute i gotta go to the bathroom mm. take it over <laughs> welcome to frederick cast
1: take it over okay let let me try to structure the because my thoughts are all over the place because I have never tried to explain it that way to somebody. Um, and I need to wait until Tommy is back. Otherwise, he will miss out on this. But uh, the idea is that Bitcoin is not the way people see it or the way it is portrayed um, in the media or in the crypto media more more so. And um, I think... It is in part because um, there's financial interest um, not showing what it's capable of. And also um, because a lot of these information are are hidden. And um, yeah, I'm not certain why people would like to suppress it outside of financial gain. But maybe there's more to that. Yeah, let's wait for Tommy to start the rest of it. And... For the audience, oops, uh, I, I hope I can make sense of it all. Um, basically, I wanted to get on to give those of you that are already interested in certain conspiracies that are not mainstream to look more into that. So the name is Craig Stephen Wright. Um, I'm not saying he is Satoshi, but in my opinion, from my research, he's most likely to be Satoshi Nakamoto or was part of the initial team if there was a team. There was also the court case um, that I will speak of when Tommy is back um, that alludes to the possibility and has um, these documents in court that people can actually look up with court listener or some other tools. So uh, I was talking to the audience um, about the the additional information that are out there. Basically, Craig Stephen Wright had a business partner, Dave Kleiman who was also a forensics expert, um, digital forensics expert. I think he was on some TV shows in the past as well. And (laughs) they worked together on some stuff. And then uh, Dave Kleiman died, I think, in 2013. And um, Craig Wright approached the father of Dave Kleiman and told him that Dave was kind of involved or helped with Bitcoin, basically. And Ira Kleiman, who is... um, a strained brother of Dave Kleiman, uh, then went on and talked to Craig and eventually um, sued Craig uh, for the half of the Satoshi coins, because he believes um, that Craig Wright might have been Satoshi and that his brother might have been involved in creating Bitcoin and therefore he should own half of it, because they did not have a written contract, supposedly. And there has been some shady stuff going on from both sides. And the crypto space has looked very deeply into that matter. Um, But the court case actually happened and was finished last year. It was one of the biggest um, private, uh, what is it, liability cases? um, where uh, Not online IP case, I think it's called. Um, And it was about think something like 360 billion was the amount that was uh, <laughs> fought for because it's not only the satoshi coins of 1 million bitcoin but also uh, the ip and uh, you know the rights and so on about the authorship of bitcoin and the database and so on so that was in court i think it went from let's say 3 4 years ago until end of last year i think december 2021 in florida Funnily enough, early on in the case, the judge was Bruce Reinhardt, by the way, who was also Epstein and um, some others case court. Uh, Yeah, uh, Jones, Alex Jones said also Bruce Reinhardt. So who knows? But it was interesting. Um, But eventually Craig Wright in the end won the case. He had to pay some amount to one of his other companies, But won the case and did not have to pay any Bitcoin to uh, Ira Kleiman, the brother of Dave Kleiman. But uh, during the court hearings, you could look on Courtless now or other um, court uh, websites and look into the documents, basically.
0: And you have
1: four, sorry, but you had like, I think three or four years of witnesses, uh, evidence, and claims and counterclaims in court that you can look up. I I haven't looked into all of the documents, but a good bunch. And I know people who have looked into all the documents basically. And, um, when you really take the time, which most people won't, and it's fine, but then you will see a narrative of why Craig Wright was most likely Satoshi Nakamoto, why a few people knew, but only spoke in small circles about it, um, why he basically tried to be pseudonymous, sod- basically, as Satoshi Nakamoto, and why now he's in the open and basically says he you know, has to change a few things for Bitcoin to be what it actually was meant to be.
0: Wasn't there another Nazi Reinhardt? Reinhardt Galen? Mm-hmm.
1: Probably, I think Reinhardt it sounds very German to me. It
0: is Reinhardt. G- I'm trying to remember who was the. There was one guy that was like notoriously evil. Like even the head Nazis kind of feared him. It's Reinhard Galen or is Ernst Kaltenbrunner. He's the guy that the OSS killed. He was in his like convertible, and they threw a bomb at him, and uh, he didn't die immediately, but it blew up the seat he was in in his in his like Mercedes. And the seat was stuffed with like horse hair, which I guess was like a luxury back then. Mm. Some of the horse hair got into a wound and he died of sepsis a couple of days later. But it was one of the earliest OSS, like black OSS, the precursor to the CIA. It was like the earliest of the earliest like spec ops. It was like mid World War Two. I can never remember who. But apparently there was a, Annie Jacobson talks about him. Apparently, he was this guy that even the head Nazis were like, "That guy gives me the chills." <laughs> I'm trying to remember Reinhardt Galen or Ernst Kaltenberg. or it's Kaitel.
1: I don't know. Sorry, it, it could be Kaitel. <laughs> Christ, sorry. Yeah. So, in my opinion, um, there's good evidence that uh, this inventor of Bitcoin is this Australian uh, computer science and security guy. Okay, And um, he was outed in, as I mentioned, 2015. And ever since then, he claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto after he was
0: outed. The Asperger's guy with the 50s. Okay.
1: So it's been seven years. And uh, in 2000, I think late 17, 18, um, we had these forks. Um, I mentioned uh, BTC, which is... What is known as Bitcoin was forked into BCH and then BSV later on. So BCH means Bitcoin Cash and BSV means Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. And Craig Steven Wright right now is working on BSV, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. And he's kind of an opponent to Bitcoin Core BTC, basically, which is the big known Bitcoin that is worth a lot. If you look at, say, Coin Gecko or Coin Market Cap, which tracks the prices of cryptocurrencies, you will see that number one is still BTC, obviously, and the big one, uh, as you mentioned, twenty-three or twenty-four thousand. Then you have BCH. I would need to look it up, but it's probably like hundred fifty bucks per coin only. And then you have BSV, which is like sixty dollars or something. So they look like. Um, The abandoned stepchilds, right? The red-headed stepchilds. And there's one big winner, BTC. But then also, one of the reasons why I came on is, you know, Robert Malone and um, all the research you've done for all these different conspiracy topics, conspiracy quote-unquote, is that you cannot just Google these things uh, and then know for sure that it's true. Mm -hmm. You have to check the sources and so on. And then... In the case of Robert Malone, you have fact-checkers telling you, if you look deeper into it, that you're wrong, basically, and that Robert Malone is, you know, also a fraudster. Mm -hmm. And the funny parallels here is that both of them are considered fraudsters in their field by the mainstream media, and in my case, the crypto media, and both have patents that are also kind of, um, in in my opinion, something that an inventor would want for their invention. But in the case, how the media portrays it is like patent trolling or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, scammers, only scammers want patents, which yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, furthermore, we have like the crypto mainstream media hunting this crack, right? And we had a few months where the mainstream media was hunting Robert Malone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and both are highly intelligent, very credentialed crit- and in the media, they were portrayed as you know people that try to be somebody else. And that's why I thought there is intrigue for your listeners to look into this rabbit hole. Because in my opinion, we see these parallels happening where the certain... In this cra- case of crypto media, it's probably the digital currency group that I talked about and others that have a lot of power and want to keep the things they, the way they are. And then you have, as I mentioned, Blockstream and others that have direct influence in how Bitcoin is developed and what is happening. And then you have in the grander scheme, these third uh, parties that like Coinbase and others that make a lot of money from like exchanging fees and other fees. So which- At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. The invention itself tries to cut out the middleman, basically, and gives more power to the people, peer-to-peer electronic cash. Mm-hmm. And what happened is you kind of have this bird and you break his wings and now he cannot fly, but he can walk quite fast with the right tools, basically. Yeah. So instead of having this beautiful designed uh, invention, you have this broken wing bird that is still interesting, but it's it's nowhere near what it could have been in the air flying, right? Yeah. That's my opinion. And that's why um when I looked deeper into it, to me it made sense because BSV, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, the fork of what is known as Bitcoin BTC, actually can make unlimited transactions per second for a thousandth of a cent per transaction, no matter how big or small. And basically with SPV, um, almost instant, where the block size gets bigger and bigger and you have only the header as a way of looking up the transactions. And that way you don't need um, the same process as before. It's much quicker and better for the blockchain, in my opinion. This is maybe a topic where once it becomes too technical, I cannot really talk about it um, because that's not my main expertise i think you would need to bring on others that i could suggest if you're interested in more in depth and somebody explaining all of this i can only talk about the rabbit hole <laughs> and the people i talked to during it and my own conclusions from it but what i find interesting is that if craig even wright is indeed satoshi nakamoto then he's alive he now lives in uh, england and um, he's still working on Bitcoin in the way of Bitcoin's Satoshi vision. And they have created much larger blocks, much more, many more transactions that are possible uh, only there and at a fraction of the price, basically. So the initial design that I spoke of early on, where you have frictionless, almost instant, or basically instant transaction for uh, almost for free in a secure and, you know, fair system that's already here and it works right now like you could download one of the wallets and make a transaction to me or i could do this to you and it would be basically instant and it would be a thousands of a cent so that way you can all of a sudden compete with something like mastercard or visa because as far as i understand it for a transaction under a dollar they are not working well because you pay them fees for the transactions and the yeah. fees are proportionate to a certain extent but if it's very low then the fees are exponentially higher compared
0: well yeah it's like uh early on on e-trade the stock trading website back Mm -hmm. in like the mid 2000s i had an account when i was 18 and it was like 15 dollars to commission a trade whether you're buying one stock or a thousand now if you bought like i invested two thousand dollars in apple and that cost. was a good investment. It did. I think I turned my money over eight times in the next four wow. years. Yeah, I cashed out at sixteen thousand. Um, but it was fifteen dollars to to buy and fifteen dollars to sell. Right, so thirty dollars over. But I was buying however many shares, ten, twenty shares. I made fourteen grand. That that thirty dollars you don't really care about. But sometimes I would buy one stock for. And it would be a whatever, a $10 stock. Even if that stock went up 100%, I still lost what cost me 15 and then cost me 15 to sell it, 30 bucks. And oh, I, wow. <laughs> so you know, you know, I'd say I buy because I remember like at one point, I remember buying like a, like one Microsoft stock or something. Right. And I mm-hmm. held on to it for a couple of weeks, then was like, fuck this and sold it. And even though that one stock went up a ton you know $10 to $20 100% growth I still lost $20 so it was like what's the point and then later on E-Trade I think when TD Waterhouse was competing with them or whatever the fuck they then they finally got rid of the trade commissions I think in like 2020 or something to sort of become competitive again Mm -hmm. but it didn't make sense up and I don't know why I'm this is such a simple analogy I don't know why I'm yeah I get what you're saying, Bitcoin.
1: No, but I understand, and it's it's true. in you know, certain industries early on, you have these high fees, and it's complicated, and you have to do it manually. And now yeah. you have stuff like Robinhood, and it's free. And yeah, it's
0: it's, it's ordering it, something on Amazon that costs less than like fifty bucks, and then you got to pay shipping. There's no
1: point. Yeah, I mean, for me, it only made sense if such a system would be. Extremely cheap quick and all this stuff. Otherwise, why why use it and not PayPal or why use it and not Visa and MasterCard? So mm. um, w- Once I found who I believe to be the guy um, I also found the tech that I thought like had the best design and works the <laughs> best What what a weird coincidence w- one might say that yeah. it's the same coin that I also attribute to the inventor of Bitcoin Um But also, uh, I I think there's a reason why, basically, uh, Bitcoin and BTC, that is known as Bitcoin right now, are very different. Uh, It is because, from my perspective, A, the developer early on did not know really what to do with the invention because the inventor wasn't there anymore. He left in 2011, I think. And so they tried, probably, uh, maybe in good faith. And then also... The people that are involved in digital currency group, AXA uh, Insurance, and um, others, it kind of traces back to the same old money, basically, and here and there the bank capital and others. So why would they want to have a system that is quite far superior to everything else, and you cannot really control it? So mm-hmm. what they did, in my opinion, was find ways to manipulate it that they can financially benefit while having more control of the system. Or, and that's what you can probably fix that analogy for me, but the electric car, you you know, the documentary who killed the electric car, I think it's called or something. I've heard like of that? it. I've heard of it. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but basically you don't need to be a conspiracy theorist to think of old players finding this new, you know, paradigm shifting technology and thinking, well, you know, why would we want electric cars when we sit on all this oil, for example? Or why would we as payment processors of Visa and MasterCard who make all this money have this tech that we cannot really control nor make fees and money off, right? Well so
0: if you're yeah. really smart, you're an old you're an old player, a JP Morgan, a MasterCard, a Goldman Sachs, a Visa or whatever uh initially you would try to subvert it and then once you realized it couldn't be subverted you'd try to own it and then you'd own the dichotomy right if gm was really smart or ford was really smart they would have bought out tesla yeah and and then you offer it's like uh mark zuckerberg like mark zuckerberg owns instagram but imagine if he never disclosed that he owns instagram he would own facebook and then people would be saying instagram's the new best thing He would own the false dichotomy of saying, "Oh, Facebook's better," and then also owning the thing. It's owning McDonald's and the Burger King next door. Yes, you're you're gonna go. It's owning Microsoft and Apple, right? No, no, don't flee to the other one. You're getting all the money. So you also hedge the risk, basically. Yeah. So if you're really smart, you'd fucking you would try to own Bitcoin and then still prop up the idea of the old thing and watch everybody flee, but still be pocketing it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in the case of Bitcoin, BTC, BCH, and BSV, if you had BTC, um, I think in 2017 when the first split happened, you would also say you have one Bitcoin BTC, you also would have one Bitcoin BCH. And then the same happened with BSV. And people who owned BTC back then, and they never sold these others, they can hedge basically by owning one of each and then figure out which one will win out over time and that's also something that I would advise to the listener if they're involved in this stuff don't sell your BTC to buy all BSV right now, do your research and if you want to be safe then just hold all three of them or whichever you think is most likely uh, to succeed and then you know, wait it that way Um, that's kind of a small hedge. Um, The next question would be why would why is there, you know, Bitcoin but also 20,000 other cryptocurrencies in the space? Um, if you have, say, one internet, you don't need 10 or 20 other uh, 20,000 others, it doesn't work that way. What TCP/IP protocols you had a few protocols, or say you have Blu-ray and uh, what was the other full HD or something, yeah. so you you usually have one or very few winners and then. Stuff will be built on top of that, which happened for tcp i p back then, there were many different protocols who could have succeeded, but one basically has become the winner, and we don't talk about the others or i I personally don't know even the names of the others and in In the case of cryptocurrencies, in my opinion, all there is to those twenty thousand others is that people are kind of either coming up with something and trying to sell it to people. And make money or some good or genius inventors came up with um, other blockchain solutions but they did not fully grasp the whole the whole past of uh, encryption combined with the incentive model combined with economics you know what you talked about uh, digital gold and stuff like that so it would be very hard um, to become the next satoshi nakamoto and come up with all these different Um, ideas and fields and combine them together that was also one of the reasons why i came up with craig wright is like he has background in computer science he has studied law and history and other things he does know about uh, what gold and money and so on and he in my opinion studied certain topics specifically for inventing bitcoin so you have a narrow list of few people that are known to be possibly the inventor, but also they would need to have the time. They would need to have the expertise and they also would either need to lie when asked if they are the inventor or um, nobody has figured out that one person that has all the credentials, but is completely unknown and there's no family or friends that talk about it or if the person died, nobody found out his secret. Uh, But we do have the Greg Stephen Wright guy saying he is satoshi nakamoto after he was outed by a hacker and it's not being picked up by the media basically and it has not been talked about properly i think it was only said he could not sign in 2015 therefore he's a fraudster Um, but there's basically a twitter army of trolls uh, attacking him when he speaks on twitter Um, and then also attacking him on YouTube and so on. Some of the most commented videos on some of the shows he appeared on are about him not being uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. So there's a lot of religious belief almost of the different fractions, the BTC, BCH, BSV, um, that their coin is the true Bitcoin, kind of like, you know, with God and Jesus and whatever. Um, But all... or vegetarians and carnivore and keto and so on, that's also very religious. Um, That is one aspect of it, Um, but then also it's a very uh, different idea of what it is. Um, BTC is portrayed as digital gold, basically. You don't transact it quickly, you don't transact often. And you store it basically digitally and you don't really need to touch it or you shouldn't even not touch it because it will be worth more in the future when everybody uses it. But to me, that does not really make sense because if it's digital gold or digital peer-to-peer electronic cash, you would want to be able to use it, to use it like a MasterCard visa, to use it like a PayPal. So that is also one of the reasons why it never resonated with me. And right now with BSV, all that stuff is possible. So um, in my perspective, we already have the invention and the solution. It's just not known. And it's kind of uh, suppressed in my opinion. And the question is why? And also the question is, um, yeah, am I completely wrong about this with my research? Or have not enough people looked more closely into it? Because... Ramifications are big. If the tech is uh, corrupted and used by others, then we might not get to the invention that we kind of deserve, in my opinion. Because a system that is peer-to-peer, without a third party that can block you, um, it's important. In now, with you know, the truckers in Canada was one example where Bitcoin BTC actually did not work um, the way it was, you know, portrayed. But in general, I think it's important to have some sort of data integrity back. That you know, a, a, an NSA or a Google cannot just farm your data. And yeah. with a peer-to-peer system, we kind of like a Napster, um, but much, much superior. We have this this ability again to do it between people without somebody just being able to take all the data and looking at it and then it's like well I didn't do anything so therefore I don't care but eventually we should all care because it's our data that is being used Um, and Craig Wright himself is a big proponent of uh, an individual where they have power and not the, the government has all the power. So he, I'm, I'm not sure he's probably more of a libertarian guy, but in general, I would say his vision is a system where it's from the people for the people kind of system. And that would help in third world countries as well. Um, and my last point, and then you can take up, um, is that initially, if you have such a system digitally, not just physical uh, money or gold or cash, But digital cash, you have the ability to do programmable stuff with it. You can link it to uh, data, basically, and you have the secure system that not only makes it possible for you and me to transact back and forth Bitcoin, but also to have data stored on the blockchain and much, much more. I mean, Ethereum, for example, wants to be this world computer, but Bitcoin in the right design can do all of these things as well. So you can have these contracts, you can have, um, all these things that are only possible with a system where data security is within. And, um, you have this transparency because the Google could not host a blockchain that I would trust at this point. Um, and since you can look into the code and see, um, as far as I understand it, there is no backdoor. We will see that later on when the NSA you know, takes your Bitcoin away. But as far as I understand it and know, a lot of good uh, computer scientists and, and cryptographers and so on have looked into Bitcoin and there is no backdoor as far as I know. So if it's all true, then we have a system that works, that can do a lot more and that is available and works right now. So the question is, what am I missing here? and i hope the audience can address it in the future when they do their research but um, from what i understand it it's suppressed and uh, i yeah it i see the parallels with the pandemic but that was you know big pharma and who else who didn't want to have alternative medicines or a different narrative in the case of cryptocurrencies and bitcoin um, i'm not sure deep it goes, because the WEF, for example, also had these programs where certain services that are third-party services to Bitcoin were um, promoted by the WAF and so on. So there might be a deeper connection that I can talk about, uh, that I can't talk about because I don't have the specific knowledge. But as I mentioned, it the funny thing is Epstein was in the rabbit hole and companies that are now, you know, ruling the world are also involved Bank capital, for example, as you mentioned in others. So there might be a wider conspiracy that is not only in these other areas, but also towards the future of digital money. And it would make sense if they want to have control or if, you know, they want to have influence Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is something that you cannot just look over. But, uh, yeah that's where my knowledge ends towards that conspiracy but yeah if you have questions towards bitcoin or why Craig right might be satoshi then go ahead let's play a bit back and forth here.
0: i would have to so just all this surface level stuff you know hearing all this from you and then just whatever knowledge i do have and then based kind of like what we talked about last time mm-hmm. based on every like historical precedent just human nature patterns I would have to say there are two there are two phenomena or scenarios that will point to who it is and one of them's already been fulfilled and the first is the fact that no one knows for sure the fact that there's even a debate tells me that it's being obfuscated and that, to me, my gut feeling says it's an intelligence operation. That's just just first first impressions. the fact that it's like uh that like the arguably like the most powerful new technology, the fact that it's being no one knows where it came from, no one knows who it is, and it's like the most base human draw, right? Money, money, fame, power. No one knows who it is. To me, that says intelligence. Now, whether that's one person who was co-opted, whether there's one person who was assassinated, whether Satoshi is a is a group of people, whether it was funded and planned by the NSA or like infiltrated or whatever. To me, that first thing, where did it come from? The fact that it's fuzzy to me that says intelligence operation that's just first impressions the second would be we then have to see does it does it hold up so you know like the 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 ottawa protesters i don't know enough about that it was their wallets that was tracked down right not the individual like bitcoin or
1: yeah, I, I think they did not have access to that. But yeah. as you mentioned, probably through a few yeah. steps, they, they got access. To that. That's we... also uh, just to intersect here because sure. it's important. The difference between um, the ideologies or the religions of Bitcoin is that the BTC fraction, they want to have it small and uh, storable and, you know, only a few transactions and um, that nobody can confirm confiscated and so on Um, but uh, the reality is that bitcoin as a blockchain is transparent and it does not really use encryption in the way people think as a cryptocurrency because it's not based on what craig wright says it's not a cryptocurrency it's a blockchain and uh, you can basically have not anonymous but pseudonymous um, abilities on the blockchain so what the one fraction says is you're completely anonymous. Nobody knows who you're, what your wallet is. Nobody can confiscate it. But in reality, if there are no servers and no mining, then there's no Bitcoin in the end. The system comes to a halt. So there is a way where if the earth explodes, Bitcoin is not going forward. And also, it's, since it's pseudonymous, if you track the wallets, you can kind of figure out who is who if not enough people are transacting. So, Or if you want to out yourself, you can show I made this transaction and then you're not anonymous anymore. So the reality is, from my perspective, you're pseudonymous, uh, not anonymous. And also it's a transparent system. So Craig Wright himself said the invention um, is not to make it easier for uh, criminals to do illegal stuff, but to make it almost impossible for criminals to do illegal stuff with Bitcoin because it's all traceable. Mm-hmm. You have this digital system where you timestamp the blocks and all the transactions, and you over time have this huge database of all kinds of money in and outflows, and it's all traceable. So to your point, that screams agency, but it also would scream asperger guy who wants to sort the world in his you know, vision, basically, who wants to have a more fair and transparent system. for better or worse, because we could also, if the government uses Bitcoin, we can also trace government spending, for example. So if there would be adoption of this system, it would not be for criminals to hide illicit trade, but it would be transparent for people to be traceable if they do criminal stuff, but also to trace those that were never traceable before, EA governments and certain individuals. So it would make everybody be more honest about the way they move, basically. And that's what is interesting, the transparency possibilities with that system. So it's completely different from what is portrayed, for example.
0: My second, I guess, scenario or phenomena to examine would be You couldn't just approach it and say, well, if like the government continue in the big, you know, mainstream media and corporations continue to criticize it, then that would mean it's good. Right. It's because it's right. You know, if they try to censor Rogan, then that means it's a good episode. Right. But like we said earlier, with the whole idea of the encrypted phones, like the, the plot of that book was. Well, you had all of them criticizing it for it to appear like genuine criticism, and then you use it as a backdoor to monitor terrorists and other nation states. Mm-hmm. So that's so we can't necessarily use uh, mainstream criticism of it to validate it. So what I would say is the second point is: does it, if it continues to grow, and not necessarily benefit any one nation or group? Like like a true wildfire just burns, right? It just it just burns. That's not really a great analogy. It'd be okay, let's say like uh, I don't know, a climate climate change, right? Your your conspiracy mind would be like, oh, it's a it's a weather weapon, we're using it as war. Now, if a bunch of tsunamis hit China and a bunch of floods hit Russia and nothing happened in the United States, it'd be like <laughs> I think that's a weapon but if the sea levels rise evenly and force fires fuck countries equally i would say that, that that it's a natural chaotic phenomena so if bitcoin continues to rise and grow in ways that maybe america hates right now and in maybe 10 years we love maybe china loves maybe china hates if it continues to just grow in these weird ways where one day elon musk is a fan and the next day he's not one day america loves it and the one next day we don't if it kind of grows in its own independent way that would make me lean towards saying it is the aspergery it's out for just the betterment of of man right it's it's it just goes far I'm, I'm i'm not putting it into into words the best way if it continues to it's like the internet you know you could you could maybe say your conspiracy mind could go the government created the internet so we all think that we have this new information spreading technology but the reality is, is they're monitoring us well, on one hand you'd say that's accurate right it was created yeah that's accurate uh, all
1: right. and, and they do... also they are monitoring stuff and but, that came out later
0: but yes. it is also it does also have capabilities for people to communicate people who are good enough at it. It does still act as a weapon that the government can't control. So to me that goes, okay, no one has complete control of the internet. It is sort of like a chaotic wildfire. So, and also
1: individuals are usually not trying to harm humanity. Um, You know, during the invention of the internet, there might have been influence, of agencies and there might still be or there certainly is right now but the individuals that developed it probably did not try to develop a mass surveillance system i think one of the reasons why the internet is great is a lot of individuals participated and worked on it because they liked to have this open system so even maybe if the route was not great what came out of the internet so far outside of you know All the bad stuff with the internet is really good. Like I'm very thankful for the invention of the internet.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, ARPANET was created. So nuclear bunkers in the United States could communicate with one another and be a decentralized command and control network. So if there was a a Soviet decapitation strike, right. And then it grew to like universities and then it kind of grew into the internet and then it became this wild thing of, you know, online porn and Napster and LimeWire and AOL (laughs) And In there, none there. Yeah, and then it's and then it kind of coalesced again with Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and now we're seeing it kind of split apart again with mm-hmm. Trump's thing and and Rumble with we're on Bitshoot, Spotify, Odyssey. You see it kind of breaking out again, and then. In some places you see it as like a surveillance system, like China, like they've got it on complete lockdown. And then on other places you see it as like uh in the Middle East, like they're trying to crack down on it because it's allowing people to communicate that they don't want communicating. So because there's so many different facets of it, that's where I go. The internet isn't entirely controlled by one group of people because there are too many it's aiding and assisting, helping and fucking too many different people at too many times for it to seem like it's it's controlled by one group of people right
1: it's yeah i mean i don't think it's controlled by one no well that's to your point it's possible that you know you only use your access for important things or very infrequently that's a possibility right where the internet is used by the common man but you know obviously the agencies have access in the back door through data feeds and so on um so there there's that possibility as well but i you know we talked about it last time about optimism and i i think that uh, not thousands of people working on this have you know the mindset of trying to build a surveillance mastermind system but rather to have cool tools and great services
0: you know it's what is fascinating is kind of what we're talking about right now is how it started as a it genuinely started as a government program for nuclear bunkers of the most elite generals and national security state members to survive and then it blossomed into this thing where you and i are now using it to subvert youtube and google who are in bed with government and allowing me to talk to dr malone and dr mccullough yeah so that's actually kind of a that's actually kind of a, a theme we haven't visited yet with Bitcoin then, right? We've talked about it being created by agencies and used by agencies. We've talked about it being created by an Asperger's guy and and then co-opted by agencies. But we haven't done the inverse, despite the fact that, and I'm, I'm just not realizing this, the internet's the biggest possible case of something that was started by the government and completely backfired. And then some countries, they do have control of it. But it's allowing us to subvert the ma- main lines of communication. Maybe Bitcoin is the inverse. Maybe it started as an NSA program and it just the genie got out of the bottle. And yeah, I and mean
1: you cannot suppress certain tech for long,
0: well, right? And it might be that Bitcoin is is still the NSA program, but then they're like, Well, fuck, we didn't plan on somebody making Ethereum, right? It's they make YouTube and they go, everyone has to upload to one thing. Then they're like, wait, what the fuck is Rumble? Right. So it's this thing where it's like, oh, damn it. It's a parallel system. Right. We created the nuke to beat the beat the Germans and the Japanese. And then the Russians were like, oh, yo, cool idea. And we were like, oh, wait, fuck, no <laughs> then, you know, and then it led to a cold war that lasted 10 times as long as World War Two. So it could be that it could have started as the, an NSA program to watch the world. And then like just some other Asperger's guys were like, oh, cool idea. I'm going to make my own. And they're like, oh, oh shit, now they're trying to put it back in the bottle.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm not going to be able to speak about the technical stuff in depth, but as far as I understand it, Bitcoin does not use the regular SHA-256, but a other one that might not be as easy to surveillance by the NSA who invented that. Um, so there, there's the possibility because... Craig's even right, um, his um, uncle worked for the uh, Australian Royal Air Force. And I think he, that guy's father was um, – so what what is the father of your uncle called to you mm-hmm. in English? Great uncle. Great uncle, yeah. So Craig's great uncle also worked,
0: oh, I think, no, wait, uh, for the, the NSA. The father hmm? of your uncle? That would That would, yes. be your, that would just be your grandpa
1: father yeah, which right
0: because my uncle is my dad's brother
1: yeah I'm, I'm like with these words i struggle in english sometimes but basically i think
0: it's from it's his your uncle
1: grandpa. yeah your, is it your grandpa um but
0: well because I, if, you if my
1: look it up but my
0: brother has a son
1: yeah i'm, that I'm son's like uncle. i'm trying to go in my mind and think of whether it was this whatever grandpa, grandpa great uncle,
0: whatever it's or
1: great uncle, yeah, more about older historically. <laughs> I would need to look it up. I can't right now, but basically that guy also worked um, uh, with uh, the Air Force encryption, and no. um, well, the uncle worked with with the Air Force, Royal Air Force in Australia, but the great uncle or uh, grandpa he worked um, on Enigma, I think as well.
0: Oh shit! Okay,
1: so they have this history. F- Family wise, to be connected to encryption, and the grandpa was like heavily involved and quite secretive about right. the things. In, in and working... Craig Stephen Wright, from his youth on, was you know fascinated with that stuff and spent a lot, of, like, from what I understood, he had issues with his father or the absence of his father, but his great uncle or grandpa or whatever he was, he was like very dear to him, and they spent a lot of time. in Craig would um, basically uh, watch him, you know, work with these old machines, encryption machines and so on. So when you look at the history, um, there there are these neat examples of things that could align Craig to the invention and also would align some of agencies' involvement in the history of Bitcoin, but not in the way one might think, rather that he was connected to some people that had that knowledge and he could have bought code and implemented it in Bitcoin that was developed by people in the NSA, for example. So rather than the NSA uh, inventing it, it could have been that they had some of the technology developed and it was then implemented into Bitcoin. Kind of not stolen, but kind of taken the best pieces, taken something like that. There's also an article on Medium called The Parallel History of Bitcoin that I can recommend that also shows why maybe the narrative was hijacked. Um, Yes.
0: I I think that... uh, I, I said this a while, a year ago or two years ago, I have no fucking idea. And it's been so long, I don't even remember if it's my own idea or just something I repeated. All that being said, I do like the idea of AI being behind Bitcoin (laughs) and being behind the pandemic. Because think about it, right? You've seen Terminator, right?
1: Yeah. Skynet, Skynet.
0: right? You know, in the end, we couldn't destroy Skynet. Skynet didn't have a location. It was in every dorm room computer. It was in every laptop, right? So let's just take that idea. That's not necessarily fact. You know, Terminator isn't canon. It doesn't mean that that's how it is. But let's just play with that idea that it would just saturate Every electronic on the planet. Well, Bitcoin is leading. It led to a right a massive upscaling in the production and consumption of graphics cards, right? And if you yes. needed if you needed number crunching abilities, and you're an AI, how do you get the humans to build build up your brain that you're going to be in in uh, saturating, but not give away the fact that you're an AI, right? Because if you're an AI, you don't want to tip your hand. Humans are like. How come all of a sudden the machine wants us to build more machines? Instead, you would completely trick us. You would go, it's for money, right? Or it's for video games. And then the next thing would be uh, COVID. What did COVID make us do? Made everybody start communicating through Zoom, which dr- or Skype or whatever, which drastically skyrocketed like bandwidth, video capabilities, our ability to communicate and live online the end product of both bitcoin and the pandemic are a massive building up of the physical infrastructure of the internet and of computers that sounds like that sounds like an ai having us build its brain
1: yeah i actually came to the same hypothesis i don't think it's real but in theory like what yeah, is I mean, root the root of that technology advance? We made these huge leaps in the last uh, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, yeah. And it's crazy how quickly that technology has influenced our lives and shift sh- shaped the world. Yeah. And it's like you can in that rabbit hole, you can insert aliens or some you know new uh, super power that came. To Earth, whether it's Area Fifty-One or whatever, and that brought that technology, and it's kind of being implemented. Or that AI might have awoken earlier in some shape or form and tried to seduce us to build its body. That's that is also a possibility. A, um, that's that's
0: Leo, Z- Leo Zagami's. Mm-hmm. That's Leo Zagami's idea. That um, you know, let's so let's just extrapolate from our own selves we go from putting men on the moon to where like, it's a lot easier and more effective to just shoot probes out to different planets, right? They don't die, they can be exposed to radiation, they'll live forever, powered off nuclear energy. If we extrapolate that, the next natural step would be like, well, what does 100 years from now look like? What does 1,000 years... It's most likely that if humanity's still alive and we're exploring the cosmos, we're probably going to be sending out tons of robots. So that would then made you make you conclude that that's probably the most the most probable outcome of another sentient species which starts organically carbon based or silicon based or arsenic based they would probably culminate in sending robots out thus our first contact with aliens wouldn't be with slimy green people but with robots or ai and he goes on to say, so that's what Area Fifty One was. That's what Roswell was. Is they throw the saucer down, and then that leads to, you know, fiber optics and the internet. And it's a in a way, it's infected us, right? Much like a COVID infecting you and making, or the the vaccine and making you produce spike proteins. We were infected by the saucer. The U.S. government, in the name of you know national security and defense. They were tricked into reverse engineering it, much like we were tricked into building more video graphics cards for Bitcoin and video bandwidth capabilities for COVID. The U.S. government, right after World War II, it's in this like hyper-survival mode. It gives it the ultimate treat, and it goes, here's a fucking flying saucer anti-gravity. When we reverse engineer it, we've been infected with with this silicon-based life form. In the grand scheme of humanity, 100,000 years, it's only been the last, what, 80 that we've had kind of, you know, well, since allegedly 20 or 1947 that the saucer landed, we were infected. And like the vaccine causing you to produce spike proteins, we have just been producing microchips and TVs and then color TVs and then satellites and then dial up internet and broadband and DSL and and gigabit ethernet and Google fiber and 4k video and high fidelity audio. And we've been infected with this, this alien AI for whatever reason. And it's now taking over our planet and we think it's us. That's the best, right? The best trick is for you to think it's your own idea. So we're like, we have the internet but we're being taken over by this machine, right? We're, we're laying cables. We're putting up Starlink. We're fucking, you know, more broadband towers, more Wi-Fi towers, more phones, more everything. And it's this alien power taking over our planet. Now, granted, there's no way to prove that. And you sound schizophrenic saying it out loud, but it's a fun one.
1: It's yeah, a- it's a fun one. I In the beginning of the pandemic, when I did not know at all what was coming, say March twenty twenty or something, or February. I I also had that thought that what if, you know, AI awoken, for example, and try to figure out the most like the the most elegant design to either get control or rid of humanity. Well yeah. If you had a virus that you could engineer that it would spread all over the world and then you had kind of like nanobots or something in every human being able to control and listen in on all their thoughts, collecting all that data. I mean, um, it's very, very unlikely, but it's fun to think of this or um, also frightening. In some ways, you know, that you have like this thing that you cannot see transmitted through the air, putting stuff into you that replicates and you become a host kind of like an alien movie.
0: I like the idea that uh, that somehow the elites of the world knew that an alien race was going to come try to infect us with a virus. And that's what the vaccine is for. And it's and and this is not anything I believe. This is fucking smoke some pot and think about it. But the idea that they used COVID as a cover to vaccinate the world in order to save humanity mm. from some sort of, you know, black goo virus. And you and I are going to die because we didn't get the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that, not- that
1: would be kind of ironic, right?
0: It would be fucking hilarious. And then... <laughs> the
1: is like, I told you to take the, it. The, it's, the saint, nice. God,
0: it's the saint, and it really is you, me, OG, and yeah. Dr. Malone. <laughs> we go down as the fucking Hitlers. And then the other <laughs> idea that they, they wanted us all at home... And isolating and not going outside because, like, I don't know, maybe like UFOs were gonna be visible or something. And they were like, we gotta get every. And that one's retarded, but I like that one too. That we they needed everybody at home and not outside looking around because they had some sort of knowledge that like UFOs were gonna be visible. That one's not as well thought out, but I like that one too.
1: Yeah, that China kind of released some weapon that is engineered. And then that's why they didn't want to get infected because they knew what kind of detrimental effects it would have on the population over time. That's why they have these strict lockdowns. But that is like the the AI one and the alien one is a bit far-fetched. Though Nowadays, we have to openly debate alien encounters because of all the footage and all the stuff that actually makes no sense if you say it's a water balloon. But my point here is that I think a lot of people have issue with holding you know different theories in their mind at the same time yeah and i think i'm better than most at doing this but it's kind of exhausting sometimes and it's why at some point you have to say okay i don't know for sure but you know the world is not going to end if if you know if i don't figure it out tonight or something like that right but it's it's exhausting to think like it's possible that they're could be alien influence in technology. It's possible that the vaccines are not here to heal us, but rather experimental. And whether it's by design or not, there are some very negative outcomes for certain people after vaccination, for example. Um, It's tricky because um, with Bitcoin, with the pandemic, and with other things, I have to hold a few different um, possible scenarios in my mind as to what, what truth is. And we don't know with these topics, right? It, it, it's hard to know for sure what the reason is for Corona, what the reason is for this digital leap or the technology leap in the last, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what I mentioned. It could be connected, but, you know, it's hard to know with certainty what is, what is reality, basically.
0: Well, it's, a, it's an unfortunate drawback. And it's kind of a sad thing to see people limiting really the, the incredible potential of the human mind to not entertaining conspiracy theories. Well, one, it's just fun. I mean, you read Harry Potter, you read Star Wars. Conspiracies are the same. They're just fun ideas. But it's also, a cons- conspiracy theories really are It's the way you approach science. Before you know what something is, right? Before we understood that, like, it was a sperm fertilizing an egg, they thought there was something called the homunculus, which were little tiny people with clothes and shoes that lived inside your cells. And that's where your kids came from, right? Or the idea of spontaneous generation, where we thought, like, maggots just grew out of trash. Like, those are all conspiracies because you don't know what it is. You truly don't, when you're a caveman, you truly don't know. Is the world flat? Well, I don't know. It looks flat. Or well, maybe it's a circle. Maybe it is the center of the universe. Those aren't. Those are conspiracies, but not because you're a psychopath. It's because you don't know the answer. And so you have to juggle multiple ideas. And people either don't like the connotation of conspiracy because they've been told not to like it powers that don't want to be questioned or it's ego-based you don't want to entertain more than one because you're admitting that you don't know what the answer is and a lot of times we attach our egos to our scientific hypotheses where we are not indifferent to see if the answer right a, a real scientist says uh this is what i think the answer is but we might be fucking wrong you know Someone yeah. with the and ego you have is,
1: to be able to test these hypotheses. The
0: and, ego um, attached to it says this is right. This is the only thing right, and it's because you're attaching yourself to it. So when people can't hold multiple ideas, maybe COVID came from a pangolin fucking a bat. Maybe it came from I think right. Th- I think it's a Chinese bioweapon weapon. It really worked out well for them. Maybe it is a f- alien dark goo taking over. I don't know, but you have to entertain multiple ideas. You don't. You don't know what it's going to be and there is such a weird hesitance and negative light cast on to conspiracy theories no conspiracy theory is looking at an event and going let's come up with some hypotheses about how this ends and why it started that's the best part of like a thriller movie or a netflix series oh, how the fuck is this going to end? Like, oh man.
1: Yeah, it's intellectually stimulating. Yeah. Also, the, the most prominent cases of conspiracy theories are based on events that are hard to take for face value, right? Yeah. Many many of the big conspiracies are based, you know, JFK and so on, on stuff that happens, uh, happened that is questionable, you know? Yeah. The official narrative is lacking, basically, and I use the word conspiracy theorist uh without you know really labeling people maybe the way it's perceived for me maybe it's we fell fell victim to the narrator as well by using the word you know vaccine effect effect uh, effect and safe uh, denier okay, or something yeah. right yeah the, the, um in, here in germany we also had a word for people that thought like you know some of the stuff is not true about corona, and they were put in a corner and shamed and yeah. now m- almost everything they said is true. short yeah. of that people accept the shot every three months, officially it's still considered oh no we we give you certain privileges if you take them every three months, but nobody says take them every three months, right? We would never say that, but you have disadvantages if you don't do it in society now for this winter, for example. So it's tricky. Um, And I think it's important. And I think most of your listeners are probably in that boat to not end up in your echo chamber and to question your beliefs, but also if you think you're right, then you don't need to fear scrutiny of your theories, right? And you could put it out there, and others or yourself look, make the, the counter argument, and if you have uh, the right idea, then it should hold, um, you know, to to the light and to the disinfectant of the truth, right? Uh, and a good theory is one where you can try to poke holes, and it shows that it's getting stronger, Resil- right? Resil- more resilient, yes. Yeah, um, And yeah. that's why I wanted to brought the, bring this topic to your audience because I think um, if Bitcoin succeeds over time, which version is debatable in my own view, it's Bitcoin Satoshi vision as the real Bitcoin. If it will succeed over time, then it's extremely beneficial to understand it early on. And if the majority is wrong about the subject, there will be a paradigm shift over time. The one BTC, for example, is up there and worth, as you mentioned, over $20,000. The other one is, I don't even see it on the bottom here, with $60. So if one flips the other over time, you have this 100x, 1000x moment, possibly. Um, That's why I think looking into it can be very beneficial over time. But also because if I'm wrong, then... Maybe there's data proving me wrong. And uh, I would love to see somebody show me like what my mistakes are in my line of thinking about it. Um, but there are some witnesses and some people in court said under oath that they have seen proof. Um, so it, it, for me, the intrigue here is the rabbit hole itself, the implications, but also as we mentioned about these other topics that it could be alien influence or it could be that the stuff is really helpful and in the case of bitcoin it could be this anonymous anarcho money that you cannot confiscate and that is gold and should not be transacted all the time but nobody can touch it or it could be this new system where not only can you transfer digitally money but you can also have a secure system for communication in the future or data in the future, and it cannot be easily hacked. So I'm not the one who will explain all the details to you because I'm not capable of doing that the right way. But if I'm correct about my theory, then this will have extreme impact, like internet innovation type of impact. Yeah, Because it's not only that we can transfer between us money, but we can do a lot of other things that were never possible before and it's without uh, asking for permission and it's without the third party. There will be services on top, but um, basically it's the payment channel for the internet and much more. Um, so I hope you have somebody listening who has too much time on their hand and already is a crypto enthusiast Uh, And would like to take me up on this offer and go into the rabbit hole.
0: And there's anybody listening comment. If you want to come on and do an episode with Frederick and I, and you can jump down the rabbit hole of, of this shit with us.
1: Well, I actually know a few people that are um, very well-equipped to talk about the different aspects of the history of the Bitcoin or um, say, um, John Pitts is one of them. He, I talked to him prior when I did my rabbit hole research. He's in his 40s or 50s now. Um, he came to kind of the same conclusions that I did, but um, he has this background as somebody who was uh, shorting stocks and you know uh, doing real research in value investing and in early tech startups and so on. So he he understands the technology side and the history with the tulip mania and so on and speculations. And the other one would be Kurt Wookert that I spoke to as well. He's considered the Bitcoin historian and Bitcoin Satoshi vision. And he basically, as one of his jobs, um, knows most of the history that has happened and was also in the court for the court case that I mentioned previously and is quite involved with a few or was guests on a few podcasts, also bigger ones talking about the subject. And they can shed light on the aspects where I'm lacking when it comes to the technical aspects or, you know, the hard-on history of Bitcoin. Um, Yeah. But I can, yeah.
0: Ask them to to come on.
1: Yeah, they would love to, I think. Both are, I think we would get along um, quite well. Uh, I think uh, there are a few others. And in my mind, if it all works out, eventually Robert Malone could take a look because one of the reasons was that I thought that he got involved with the blockchain uh, space because he thought it's censorship resistant and because it offers this new paradigm of free speech in the future where we are all fearful of censorship basically, right? Right yeah but if i'm correct then he's talking to the wrong crowd right it's like um basically he would be going to bed with the enemy sort of um mm-hmm. so eventually if i'm right um then maybe he can maybe he can somebody call maybe he can look into it and make up his own mind and uh, the 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 idea that I had would be to bring Greg Stephen Wright, Satoshi Nakamoto, together with Robert what Malone is- or with you, for example. He's on some podcasts in the past as well. It's just he's a very prickly and um, hard to like person. He, with his Asperger, it's hard, you know. But if I give you a few finger pointers, you would actually get along, I think. And it would be very insightful because if I'm right, you could ask the creator of Bitcoin about his invention. Yeah, on I your need, podcast,
0: I need to get Satoshi to admit he's Satoshi on here. I need uh,
1: to he get, he will I, do that. So need, if he's lying, get, you have him here on on your podcast lying. And if he's right, you have need the inventor these, of Bitcoin.
0: I need to get these, on your
1: podcast.
0: I need to get these fucking podcast numbers up. You know, on tw- I think Rumble is starting to fucking censor me which is really depressing because i thought they were and i'll tell you why i keep data points i keep like 50 different data points every day and i have since the day i started this podcast december twelfth, 2019 um but let's just look at daily monthly let's look at raw views monthly on rumble in 2022 January was huge because I had that episode with Malone and McCullough and Desmond. So that one was an outlier. It was 1.5 million. Oh, wow. 1.5 million for that month. Now, all time on Rumble, I've had 3.1 million views. This year, so of the 3.1, this year I've had 2.6. So 2022 has been the kind of big year, right?
1: Nice. Good to Now,
0: let's look at Let's look at monthly views in 2022. So again, January doesn't really count because that was an anomaly. February was 166,000. Cool. March jumped up to 230. That was cool. April, 173. Kind of falling back into what I thought it would mm. be. May, 172. uh, June, 156. July, 148. All of which it kind of seems like they're all kind of coming back down from that January spike, Mm. but they're all staying 140 to 170. And now August, we're more than halfway through. We're at 25,000. And I've had multiple people tell me that I'm no longer showing up in their favorites. I don't get, they don't get email Mm. notifications about me anymore. Daily all of 2022, I've been averaging about, about 5,000 views a day. And then starting on August first, it dropped to about nine hundred. On mm. an immediately though, it didn't start slowly going down. It just August first, it just something happened.
1: I, I think I'm not helping you with comment no, on talking about oh, this I don't because Greg Wright is now banned from Twitter. Now they banned him give, from LinkedIn. I don't give a
0: fuck, dude. I don't give I don't that's the most important thing is when I look at this and I go, Oh no, I'd realize I don't I don't give a shit. YouTube banned me. I'm, I'm like, I'm never gonna... I don't i am give a fuck. I would rather be shot and killed than bend over to any sort of... And it could just be that Rumble's a growing company and they switched their algorithms. I don't know. I, that's probably it. Occam's razor would say... I think they grew 40 times between 2021 and 2022 already. So it most likely is that nobody gives a shit about me and that they just changed something in their company. But... Uh, something has definitely happened starting. It happened immediately. It happened overnight. It didn't, it wasn't a gradual change. I don't know what it is. It could just be that my podcast is shit now. Maybe it just started sucking on August 1st. That's also a possibility. I don't know, but no, no, it's not that you're not helping. I don't, I don't give a shit. I will continue to talk about anything and everything I want. I don't give a fuck who bans me. I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll go to BitChute, where I have 700 subscribers. I don't care. I don't... Never, no, never mistake that. I don't give a shit. But it is weird how it was kind of a meteoric growth, and then at midnight on July 31st, it just hit a wall.
1: Maybe they changed the algorithms or something?
0: Well, I mean, and that would lead you to think it, because it happened on the first of a month it happened immediately. It sounds like some internal thing that's changing. So I don't know. We'll see. But it's odd. It's definitely odd because my Spotify growth hasn't slowed down at all. So it's still at a, at an even clip. Only Rumble, which would make you think that it was an algorithm change. And Rumble's Yeah, I think it.
1: they probably change. I mean, even Spotify, when I used to look for my podcasts or, for example, say Desmond and Malone and so on, I would get all their episodes, right? Mm -hmm. But it was never the newest first. It was all over the place. So you had to look, uh, even whether it's on desktop or mobile. So it it was not helpful, the discovery of podcasts, right? Now I get offered only a few and I cannot even enlarge the list anymore. Plus... The first thing I get, and it comes down like this, is like COVID misinformation. Oh yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot click on the podcast without getting you know yeah. well that's the narration a... that I'm listening to bullshit. Basically.
0: Well, that's another that's another uh, symptom that Spotify is 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 starting to die. And I could be completely wrong. Somebody come back and comment on this in a year or two, Tuesday, August sixteenth, twenty twenty two. But that's exactly how YouTube started was just a little label, just a little blue label about COVID-19. And then it led to strikes or it led to warnings and it led to strikes then it led to suspensions then it led to the permanent deletion and account removal. Spotify started putting those COVID tags about eight weeks ago. It's, I think this is the beginning of the end. It might take a year or two, but it's once you start with the tags, because the reality is, is this. Is adults are capable of critical thinking, and you need bullshit out there, right? You have to have it out there because that's what allows us to think critically. You can't have daddy government. Well, one because it's power corrupts. Doesn't matter when it is now or ten thousand years ago. Power corrupts, and if you have the ability to say what is and what isn't misinformation, you are eventually going to use that to your own to 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 means to your own end, be that politically or financially. But you have to have bullshit out there for us to think critically. You couldn't have, you didn't have labels on things that said, no, no, fact checkers have said that the world is flat. Well, you did have that, and look how we look back at that. It's archaic that the Catholic Church burned people at the stake for that. You have to have bullshit out there. You have to, on one hand, say, um, you have to say that, uh, I don't know, QAnon is real and that uh, the elites of the world are satanic pedophiles. And on the other hand, you have to say, no, it really is the World Economic Forum is out there for the best of our intentions. And on the other hand, you also have to say that, no, well, it's an alien. Their aliens invaded us in 1947 and software's taken over the planet. <laughs> you have to have it all out there because humans discern what is real and what is not. That's the point of like a test. You You, you study a course, And then you have a multiple question test and they give you answers that aren't clearly bullshit. They give you answers that might be real and you have to use your own deduction skills to learn and chip away at it and find the diamond core that is the truth. You cannot start to label things misinformation because that what that does is for a lot of people, they just go part of their brain just turns off. I don't need to think about that. They have told me that it's misinformation. Well, that's That's a that's that's a that's a dark black hole that we're starting to slip into. So for me personally, now I don't have a ton of experience. I've been doing this podcast for about two and a half years and I'm not, I'm not some veteran, but from my own experience of being on multiple platforms, this is the beginning of the end is when the they start to lean on it and go, yeah, no, this is misinformation. and then soon it's gonna be another topic and then it's gonna be another topic. I mean right now, when I got banned from YouTube, I think they had, like, five labels. They had COVID. They had 2020 elections. They had uh, 9-11, Moon Landing, and JFK. And I tried to collect them all, like Pokemon. And I think I got them. But now there's, like, 50. There's climate change. There. I saw one yesterday I'd never seen before. United Nations. There's a blue tag. So if you have United Nations, and the United Nations was set up. by the fuck? Huh? but, but What? So it starts as Uh, COVID 19 misinformation, or you know, the 2020 elections had robust safeguards so that it starts as that. And then it, like a cancer, it just grows to where it's just everything blue label this, blue label that. So the fact that Spotify has those blue labels, when I first saw that, I'm not, it doesn't make me like upset. And I don't, I, I, I I operate under the assumption that I'm going to be banned from every platform tomorrow and just act accordingly, have your own backups, and be ready to pivot. But it was more of like a – it was just disappointing to see. When I first saw that tag, I was like, uh, oh, that's the – this is how it starts. You're going to –
1: I mean, the the future is still not guaranteed yet. So I I think we're in an interesting time where – either big tech gets more and more power and eventually you you get your list of Black things you can, yeah. say can say and can't say, or we see another disruption. And I think um, without going down this other rabbit hole about the technology of Bitcoin, but I think there are capabilities in what it can do for censorship resistance, <laughs> not that you cannot delete stuff anymore, but rather that, you know, those big players have not all the power about uh, over who says what and when i think we will see a you know a liberation of that in the future and new services coming using the new technology integrating it and then making it possible to get payments directly from your listeners one okay. of the beauties th- that i wanted to throw in here can be another episode with some other guys that are more technical but micropayments as they are already possible right now. I mentioned that the thousands of a cent fees, right? It's possible for some listener somewhere in say Madagascar in Africa, listening to you, Tommy, and then micro paying you instantly over the world without asking for permission from a bank or some payment provider, right? Yeah. That is already possible. So Patreon, Spotify, Even Uber and so on will be likely disrupted over time or they have to implement that technology because nobody can take it away from you that easily anymore. They would need to have court orders or real investigation and they would need to prove that you've done something. It cannot be Spotify giving you a label because some guy working there thinks it's like Mm -hmm. misinformation, right? Or some fact checker that has no expertise on the facts they are checking, some but rather being pounds. some journalist that has, you know, gotten that job through I don't know some Indeed.com, uh,
0: some, yeah. whatever. It's someone, some eight hundred pound, fucking fact checker with thick rimmed glasses and, and and neon purple hair and thirty seven genders going. This is misinformation. This is a white man with blue eyes and an American flag. This is Nazis. But no, I think you're correct. I think you're correct in the same way that even in two th- the year 2000, if in 1990 you tried to explain just every day 2022, Zoom, Skype, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, trending, you and the, and, and the internet wasn't even really like that, it was new, but people still knew what it was. But the idea of 2020, that you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, using Oculus Rift VR headsets to play Xbox Live and stream it on Twitch? You'd be like, what language are you talking? But that is three decades. I think we have to be humble in that there probably will be another disruption, much like the internet, much like cell phones, much like uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. I think we go through these these cycles of new technology turns into the Wild West and then the powers that be, either for corporations, financial reasons, corporate financial reasons and or governmental power reasons, they all start to coalesce. You have all the radio stations and then you have like, they start to kind of turn into just a couple. You have all the news stations which coalesce into just like five over like 60 years you have the Wild West of the internet, and then it sort of, you know, turn like turns into these big bubbles: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. The cycle would then make you rationally predict that I don't know between now and twenty thirty, probably like now in twenty twenty five or something. We're starting to see already, right? Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey, Truth, Social, Getter, Gab. It seems like we're getting ready for another like, like fractioning, where it's all going to burst out into them. And I don't know what that is. Is it VR? Is it the metaverse? Is it crypto? Is it some? Is it something completely new? Is it some hybrid of all of them?
1: Yeah, I think those are walking towards each other or interconnecting more and more. I think yeah. VR, metaverse, and crypto are. It's not considered a cryptocurrency, but blockchain yeah. will kind of come together over time. You know, you have the payments, you have the data, you have the data integrity in the system. So I think it's only a matter of time until they are interconnected flawlessly. Yeah. Um, And as you mentioned, it's only 10, 20, 30, 50 years. uh, So it will come much quicker than we think in some ways and much slower in others. I think what I learned through my life is that technology change can happen rather quickly. But society change is what takes the time. And that's why, whether I'm right or wrong about this episode uh, and the inventor of Bitcoin, um, it will take time until this new paradigm shift will get into the society. A good example of that is the Internet, where some of us used it in... I know I was young in my uh, 90s and 2000s. I, I was one of the only people in my class, for example, who used the internet. And now you're, I was looked down upon a bit for using the internet. Or people were like, why is this kid doing this? I was just lucky that I did not look super nerdy. So I was not like the super nerdy kid in school. But I was very nerdy by all the courts. And now you're looked down upon or look weird on if you don't have a smartphone with all this access. And it's crazy how quickly it shifted from being this odd person to having a supercomputer in your pockets and everybody has it and everybody uses it. So I think 10 years from now, if I'm right, we will see a complete paradigm shift on how payments are done and all the good stuff that comes with it, like the IoT devices, the interconnectedness, the the possibility to track all kinds of things on blockchains, time uh immutable over time and being transparent. So uh, it, it will be a very interesting future, um, and I will be interested to see if I was right or wrong. Um, and because I was here, I can say <laughs> on whatever day it is, August 16th, 16th, sixteenth, yes. yeah. Yeah, it's. I uh, made that prediction. I'm not the first, so there are many that went through the rabbit hole before me.
0: but On a complete 180, and then we'll wrap this one up. We've been we've been going for like almost two hours.
1: Yeah, because I, I got to run soon. Yeah, as well.
0: completely unrelated to anything we were talking about. I just thought about it. Yeah, you know, like the next, there's Pearl Harbor, there's 9/11, there's COVID. And I was thinking like the next form of like war or terrorism is going to be. Not engineered viruses, but we're just, we're like countries are just going to make like engineered animals. It's going to be like Pacific Rim. Like we're just going to create a bunch of dinosaurs that come ashore in China or something. <laughs> and and Russia is going to make these weird pterodactyls that come in terrifiers. And there's going to be plausible deniability. That's going to be the next form of warfare is just synthetic life forms, synthetic organisms. That has Yo, like my co founder
1: podcast. In the beginning of the pandemic my co-founder um and I were talking and my ex co-founder and I I told him the theory of the nanobot stuff and you know that that and he said well now with all this gene manipulating and crispr and whatnot uh, you could also engineer a virus that would only inf- kill a certain you know strain of dna in in certain people for example so you could give the virus somebody in china and it would go over all of the world and in the end you could target the presidential family of i don't know what you know what i'm saying is yeah like the future will be very very interesting when it comes to that and scary because you could kill certain ethnics we've targeted
0: We've come full circle because I think that was a plan that started under the Nazis. Was could you attack a, a sequence of just you know Jews? But that was their idea. It's like have a virus that takes over the world and just kills. I don't know Koreans. Yeah,
1: it would be interesting to see the COVID data, and then it comes out five years later than it was. Man, I think uh,
0: I think we're gonna see some. If it's not a worldwide like sterilization program or population reduction program, not through outright killing, but just through like sterilization and birth rate dropping. If it's not that, I think we're gonna see like one country their birth rates are going to be, like, fine or something. It's going to be...
1: They have, like, superhumans and everybody else yeah, is ill. Not even that. Bad. It's
0: just going to be, like, general, like, healthcare costs are going to be up in nine out of ten countries. And then like, one country, it's going to be... F- and, man, it's probably going to... I think we all think it's China, and then it's going to turn out to be America. I think... The,
1: it, it turns out it's Canada. And Trudeau, like, never masterminded Never the sleep, whole sleep thing. on
0: Canada, man. I, I honestly think in the end it's going to come out to be United States. I, I really do think. I think we released it in Wuhan. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I think what, what what the pandemic taught me is like that stuff is really going on that we don't know for sure, but we can find glimpses here and there, pieces here and there, like, as you mentioned, you know, uh, the, the the laboratories and so yeah. on so you, you, people were capable of piecing some of it together and I think in the end it's not going to be nation states if it's going to be special interests whether it's like the super powerful or it's some agencies in the background but somebody came up with a plan on either how to capitalize on the situation or to manufacture the situation one of those things or maybe opportunists you know it or it came it happened it was an accident and let's make bank or let's take influence or
0: or it was satoshi <laughs> or he released covid
1: well he probably did not release covid but he could be more entwined with agencies than i would like to know but uh, or not like to know but would like to yeah. see because if if it is what i what i believe it is it's a very powerful innovation and if it's in the hands of say somebody who's tracing and surveilling their own population then you have to question their morals and ambitions you know yeah yeah and the credit score system that we hear from China could be with programmable money in your pocket and then it's like oh you're one of those misinformation spreading guys your money don't work your money don't don't work no more yeah
0: Yeah, it could be that.
1: Tainted forever. I don't know.
0: But uh, hey, Frederick, let's wrap this one up. Yes. um, I'll... uh, I messaged you on WhatsApp last night. I don't think it was delivered. I don't think my message... Uh,
1: I saw something. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't responsive responsive last couple of days.
0: I'll... I'll, uh,
1: But I saw email and WhatsApp, yeah.
0: Here, I'll text you right now. Let's uh, let's schedule another one just to shoot the shit.
1: Yeah, and um, maybe in between, I could give you contact to one of those guys I mentioned because they can Please do. shed some light, um, in a fun and entertaining way. And you can probably ask questions and get good answers compared to what I was able to deliver. Um, but I, I think from my perspective, if this is such a paradigm shift in technology over time, then it's interesting if you could, you know, talk to people early on and be part of it. Um, The only issue is, and that's what I wanted to end with, is that Satoshi Vision BSV is a rabbit hole that will not give you fruits of labor in terms of your crypto going up, because it hasn't so far, or your viewership going dramatically up because it's an unpopular topic. But for the conspiracy theorist, aka intellectually curious truth seeker, those people might appreciate such a nugget because if you start and you go down the rabbit hole it's better than most of the good thrillers or uh, novels that i've seen and read to me this was uh, extremely interesting because it had such a possible influence on the world in the future
0: well if you come to this podcast for investing advice you get what don't. you deserve. <laughs> and if you come into this podcast advice to learn about uh, how to grow subscribership, don't do that either because I don't have it figured out. So if you're coming here for anything but moderate entertainment and creative thinking, God bless. But I mean, you're fucking, you're trying to get blood from a rock. It ain't there.
1: Yeah. But I mean, it it's, it's interesting that you had already all these very knowledgeable and good people on your podcast i mean we need um, to start a conspiracy
0: have... about me we need to start a conspiracy about how the conspiracy I got
1: is a... like how does this Tommy how guy does he get these guys basement is how getting he... access
0: oh no that ha- i i would love to foment that i would love to start a conspiracy about me you know maybe leak some fake documents about like cia some
1: irish background
0: yeah, is there I mean, an Irish
1: agency? Am
0: I am I working with NASA? the IRA through the CIA? Am I getting dark money from the NSA and the ChaiComs? Like, who is pushing me? Am I a sign up? Yeah, what what am I? Am I am I am I fucking KGB? Am I tied to Zelensky? Like, what am I? Am I part of YouTube? Am I was I? Am I a fucking co-founder of Rumble? And I'm meant to draw? I don't know. Am I Joe Rogan's son? Like, I think we need to start a conspiracy about me.
1: You're because... a Chinese sleeper cell. So.
0: Yeah, I'm so fucking deep, triple, quadruple agent. I don't even know who I work for. But we need to do something because it's not growing fast enough. So, you know, if conventional interviews aren't working, then the next will be to start uh, deep, deep conspiracies about me being an intelligence asset. Maybe, maybe Chinese, maybe CIA.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's for another podcast, but we could brainstorm as to why why it has not picked up the way you wanted to. But then again, if you think clearly and honestly about it, there's so many podcasts these days. It's not like ten years ago. Well, and then conspiracy is a subset kind of of topics,
0: well, and I'll then come.
1: usually, sorry, uh, but usually yeah. you don't have large audience for these niche topics, right? And I think. Joe has cultivated his podcast in a way where he he can get that audience, but most people who would have hosted Peter McCullough or Robert Malone back then would have not gotten any real audience, right? It's more like Joe can facilitate these kind of large podcasts, but you don't have the name yet. Otherwise, I think it's a bit of a shame that you had these high-quality people on and it has not been rewarded in the way with viewership that you kind of deserve for that
0: for the record i did interview dr mccall and dr malone three times each before rogan did i would just like to put that out there into the
1: before ether. what sorry
0: before joe rogan
1: did ah yeah, <laughs> yeah I,
0: I would like to make sure that that is out there in the ether um, let's
1: imagine that joe rogan actually listens to your podcast and he was like oh robert malone let's have him on i'll fucking that kill myself so
0: cool. if that, if that would be so cool i'll kill myself if that's the case it's, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it'd be a good idea for us to do a podcast about why it hasn't worked yet, because Occam's Razor says it's because it's not good enough. It's that that's uh, everything else. We couldn't have an unbiased conversation because I'm the creator of it, mm. and so I'm either going to acknowledge it's not good enough, or I'm going to come up for reasons that don't put responsibility on my shoulders and instead point the finger at everyone else, and then it's just going to turn into a circle jerk about how great Mm. I am and how I'm being fucked by dark forces. So that probably wouldn't be a good podcast because...
1: Also put it in perspective. Like, there are probably thousands and thousands of people doing podcasts that never would get access to a Robert Malone, for example. So it's not like, A, you have achieved... Uh, quantity in episodes more than most that do podcasts. I would say you two, so you're in the top percentile B you had like quality people on and you know, you did not bring them in with an agenda. C, you're not monetizing with shilly ed- shilly shill advertisement during your episodes. I don't need to stand up here and say something about a VPN or, you know what I'm saying? I wish they, like...
0: what? I w- and I wish I was, I wish I was shilling VPN and raid shadow legends, but nord vpn and raid shadow legends both declined to respond to an email so fuck them
1: i think if you stick around maybe hopefully not 2000 episodes but earlier but in general i think if you keep going with the mindset of trying to improve trying to become better not blaming others all the time but trying to like blame you first try Mm -hmm. to improve and then because that's in your power. If you blame others, usually it's not in your power, so it's not very constructive. And, it, and it maybe would... find ways to harness feedback from people you trust and how to improve. And maybe take a page here and there from people that are more successful. But then also, success is not this linear process. Usually it's like slow, 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 and then it's like taking up like this. So yeah. it takes time. But yeah. it also... or do it this way yeah Uh, it's mirroring here anyway you get the point so i think you might be unsuccessful until you're successful and it might come Uh, like this and uh, also don't do it obviously don't but don't do it because you want to have large viewership but rather because you want to pursue truth and that's that's what you're already doing so if you make money on top it would be wonderful but it needs to be good without making money. Well, you have already.
0: to love. You have to love it for what it is, yes. and I do. I want the viewership, and I want money for basic human needs. Where I'm like, I just want to make sure that I'm like, I have, I have an apartment. It's not like I want to fucking. I just want to make sure that this is a viable company. Like that's just the reality. I want to make sure I can fucking put food on my table. That's really all I want. You want viewership because it's it's validation. You're like, okay, my work is good. But I also, yeah. I would also rather blame myself and constantly critique myself and make it better because that's probably what the problem is. And let's say it's not. Let's say that I really am getting fucked by someone from the outside. It can't hurt to keep critiquing myself and make it better because then it's just going to get even better. So there's really no value in pointing a finger at anyone other than myself. It's just they
1: yeah, re- but be kind to yourself.
0: Well, sure, you yeah. Do don't don't beat work. yourself up. Don't drive yourself mad. That's true, but um.
1: Also, you could start a series where you uh, interview more podcast hosts that have started to become successful and ask them and then what made them successful. To have kind them, of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could also work. Fucking but in general, mother, like mother, get mother. feedback from people that are further down the road with success yeah. uh, on their podcasting career. And then also it could help your listeners um, for this kind of like, oh, I want to get into podcasting. I understand now how... The guest of Tommy did it, so I can maybe and, you know learn something there.
0: You know what? My favorite comedian, my favorite podcaster, Tim Dillon. I think he's the funniest guy alive. And there's another, and he's he's a, he's a fat gay comedian. And then his friend Ray. I Cump. know
1: Tim Dillon. Yeah. Maybe you can get him on
0: the pod someday. I've tried. I've tried so many times. And then Ray Con, really? another fat comedian. The first 100 episodes that Tim Dillon did, his podcast, Tim Dillon's Going to Hell, started like August 2016 and went to like August 2018, it was he and Ray Kump, and they were making no money, they were fucking broke, and they were just fat as fuck, smoking cigarettes, talking about eating Taco Bell, and they were always so mad that they were making no money. Ray's done all right, Tim's become like a multi-millionaire famous. If you listen to all of his stuff now, he's still incredibly talented. He was so much funnier. August 2016, August 2018, because he was angry and unsuccessful and he didn't understand why other things were succeeding. And then he succeeded and now he's set for life. He bought a mansion in the Hamptons. The reality might be this. I might get successful and then that's the death of the real Tommy's podcast. So for all I know, I'm putting out the good old like the good old Tim Dillon that he can't get back you Mm. have to get broke which he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't do he has a money manager we might be in a moment right now that i can't recreate like one day i might get successful and i'll never have the hunger of doing a podcast from a closet in an apartment right so if that's the case we are in the good times right now but we just don't know it so it's a a catch 22 it might succeed and then the beauty of it might be over.
1: Also, uh, life is short and the, the journey is usually well, it's yeah. the most fun anyways. like yeah. when you achieve something, it's great, it's, but then it's, it's, over. it's empty. The pursuit of getting there is what's most fun, especially once you start picking up and the numbers will increase more. The, the enthusiasm is usually the most fun during that process because yeah. I had stages where I mastered something or get close to, And I was standing on top of the mountain that I set myself to achieve. And then I felt very empty. Uh, Yeah, And that's something that most people will only understand once they got there. Yeah. The feeling of, oh, this is not what I thought it would be.
0: Yeah. And that's the, that is it. It might get there and it might just be, it might just be dead. So like we might be, this might be prime. Tommy's podcast is me angry, screaming that I can't get fucking money or more than a thousand views a day on Rumble. This might be like primo, and I hope it is. I hope it is, because that would mean I succeeded. The best case scenario is that it succeeds. I lose my edge, I lose my spark, and people stop listening, because that will mean I have succeeded, which is ultimately what I'm going for, is financial stability and uh, financial safety. That's the end goal that's just that's what that's what i as a human need but it will also be bittersweet because it will be the end it might never be as good
1: yeah but let's be hopeful i think there are people doing it gets better for example and yeah. they can make a living doing weird stuff i yeah. mean worst cases you can probably do uh, tommy's only or something like that. well
0: hey that's the um, listen if all else fails that's where we're going That's exactly where we go. But it won't be me fucking jerking off on camera. It would just be me doing episodes with you and Dr. Malone, but I'll just be charging people through OnlyFans. That might be the only Maybe the censorship gets so bad that that's the only way to fucking talk about misinformation is we have to categorize it as porn. So it's just me like wrapped up in leather and Dr. McCullough is whipping me and we're talking about like adverse reaction programs but they can't censor it because they'd be bigots
1: and you would flash a genital sublimely every few seconds Yeah, you would keep being yeah. interested without understanding why
0: yeah yeah well no 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 i would just fall and be naked i'd i'd, ha- I'd be i'd have like a butt plug i'd be wearing a mask and I'd be, people would just be whipping me with shit and whatever you whatever your fancy is but we'd be talking about like conflicts of interest between like pfizer and cnn and election fraud and war and
1: i think but, that would work on twitch to be honest if, if you would put honestly? more effort into the uh, production quality honestly because, yeah
0: yeah if it was me if it was me, yeah, and all of my The problem is, is I wouldn't be able to get my guests to go along. I couldn't get you a respectable know, guest to fuck, you know, come fuck me on a waterbed or something.
1: You should try interviewing uh famous gamers. I think that would be on Twitch live streams. That that would be a successful.
0: I got banned. Thing. From Tw- I got banned from Twitch in summer 2020. How I was only on for that? a day and the first up episode I uploaded was like a COVID episode and I got banned. From- <laughs> the fucking I don't even that was I don't even mention Twitch because it was so short lived. I think maybe even
1: Twitch but in general in 5 <laughs> years I think there will be a competitor that offers a solution that will make your life much easier when it comes to this intersection I, I of is. Patreon payment subscription model for podcasters because I think there's enough room for a better solution than what we have right now. All these platforms censor shaping you. That's that's not the future.
0: I ultimately think it will work. I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't think it was going to work. But right now, I just don't know how. So there's nothing to do uh, but keep working. And Watch, watch
1: Steve Jobs uh, connecting the dots speech. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, speech yeah. No, yeah, again.
0: his, his, his uh, commencement in th- speech. In
1: those moments, th- this gives good guidance because you cannot I know. I, I've watched that yet. Now.
0: I've watched that I watched that speech before I even started the podcast. I've I've watched that so many times. Yeah. In hindsight the things that seem unrelated, yeah, sneaking in a class calligraphy fonts, it all ends up falling in perfect line. But all you can do yeah. is follow your gut.
1: I think it will be true for you with the podcast as well because you got in contact with so many people now with so many episodes. I think eventually something will come out of it that will shape the future way your life goes in some way or another could be your future girlfriend could be some business opportunities that arise from a guest or it could be that you find certain passions from subjects that you were not aware of and that becomes a career or something like that so what? i think you should enjoy the journey more so than worry about the future yeah yeah in worst cases you get a job and you do it as a hobby and yeah. i think that is the worst case and it's not it's, so it's what 99.9% of everybody else has to do. It, so
0: it, It's not bad at all. Worst case yeah. scenario isn't bad at all. The reality is I'm healthy. I'm, I'm, I have, I have healthcare. I have food. I have shelter. I have water for the moment. America is not under attack. Life's pretty good. Life's not pretty good. Life's incredible.
1: That is a good way to end today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or the Go aliens. Down the
1: conspiracy holes, but find a way out into yeah. the light again. Yeah.
0: After. Or the aliens are coming and they're just gonna fucking dissolve our DNA into goo and then just harvest our fucking souls for energy. You know, that's that might happen too.
1: Well, if if, if that is a possibility, then it might be more likely that we're already plucked into the matrix without yeah. realizing how to get out.
0: Right. Maybe the aliens come maybe that that is how I'll get the podcast growth. Is I'll have the first alien interview.
1: For, uh, who's most likely to be a human alien? Elon comes to mind, and probably.
0: Alex Jones.
1: Yeah. Oh man, that guy has a rough few years ahead of him with all yeah. the court shit. Yeah. Yeah. Alto. Anyhow, let's yeah. schedule the next let's, one. Let's, yeah. Yeah. I text. I text
0: Wrap it up. Yeah, I'll text. I text. I I messaged you on WhatsApp. And, uh, yeah, good talk. Stay positive, everybody. Maybe COVID's a bioweapon. Maybe it's aliens.
1: Maybe you're a sleeper cell from China.
0: and I don't even know it. Maybe Frederick's my handler. We don't even fucking know this. That's the reality. The rabbit hole goes so deep. It's a goddamn wormhole. But, um, Frederick, good talk. I will see you soon. I'll email you the episode when it's up. Everybody else out there, thank you for listening. Take care.